0: Hello friends. Today's guest on the podcast is Yasna Hadgic. Yasna is part writer, part scientific researcher, and part badass rock climber. Yasna hails from the Northwest and currently lives in her van full-time traveling and rock climbing while also working on a PhD from the School of Environmental and Forest Sciences at the University of Washington. Yasna has climbed half a dozen 514s up to 14B, five of which were in the last year. She's also climbed 13B trad and bouldered V10. And based on her trajectory, it seems like she is just getting started. She's also incredibly humble and is probably very embarrassed listening to this. We talked about her process of projecting and sending her first 14A to bolt or not to be at smith rock at a time when the route was grades harder than anything else she had climbed and we talked about how training on rock and practicing her anti-style helped her climb a route called voodoo her first 14b which she sent just last month we also talked about three separate and very unique setbacks yasna has faced over the years including a misdiagnosed finger injury a rare condition called Compartment Syndrome, as well as her experience with RED-S, which stands for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. We also talked about favorite books, some of the articles she's had published in magazines and online, as well as how she uses writing and specifically her blog to process the gunk in her head and why she feels it is important for her to share those thoughts with the world. Yasna has a ton of energy. I had a great time talking to her and I think this turned out to be a super fun episode We were all over the place. It was a great time. Please enjoy this fun and energetic conversation with Yasna can Do
1: you have a
2: heater? I got a little propane heater. Oh, okay. You don't got A little got the, buddy. A little mild buddy. What do you have? I have the S-bar. What is the that? The diesel heater. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. You know what that is, right? Like it, it takes diesel from your engine. That it's seems really like nice. a worthy upgrade. It's expensive for sure, but it's really nice.
0: Have you ever thought about a wood stove? So Someone have you met was...
2: Amity and Connor Warm? No. They have one in their van. Okay. And it's just like, it's really cool looking, but I feel like it takes up way too much space. Right. I'm not trying to like be John Muir here in my van <laughs> but it, it does look like pretty and i'm sure it's it probably does a better job i mean honestly i mean maybe it sounds not. so
0: cozy and amazing yeah but same i'm like it would it probably would be go like, there right, yeah. and then it would be all up in the way of that's where everything is. all the time
2: like i went in their van once and they did it themselves and it's gorgeous they did a really good job but i remember just being kind of like uh mm. like how do i get in here <laughs> but i mean it works for them that's the only one i've ever seen in real mm. life so maybe there's like permutations of that model hmm Maybe they're smaller ones, mm. you know, like ProMaster size ones. They have like Pro a big countertop. countertop, yeah.
0: wood stove, set the counter on fire. <laughs> they probably think about that, right? One time I turned my oven, that. like
2: sometimes I like cook while driving.
0: You have an oven <laughs> on?
2: You yeah, have an oven on Wait,
0: say that again? So
2: sometimes it's <laughs> me like, I want potatoes. And I was like, God, it takes like, <laughs> it's like I can drive to this interview and roast some potatoes at the same time. It's probably it's not safe. But I keep the window open in case the propane just like kicks off like the, you know, and then you're like. Constantly, like, you basically leaking propane. Yeah,
0: negative one safety point.
2: Yeah, but it's positive pretty, two efficiency. Yeah, point. you could, like, man, like, if you're going on a real drive, you can make, like, a souffle or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyways, but uh, has it
0: ever gone bad?
2: Yeah, so no, not like bad, bad, but one time I forgot that I had, like, I put something in there for some reason. Like, I was just like, oh shit, I need somebody to put this on. <laughs> in the oven. It was like plastic.
0: Oh, just like storage.
2: Yeah, I don't normally, I don't normally do that because <clears throat> uh-huh. of this reason. Then the plastic started melting, oh, and I was God. like, "Oh shit!" I could have yeah. lit my van on fire my- because <laughs> I was not present. But anyways, uh,
0: my the last roommate that I had at the last house I lived at in Bend, uh-huh. he got a new barbecue. And one of the first times I used it, he had like this black grill scraper thing. Okay. Big black handle, right? But like yeah, rubber yeah, yeah. covered metal, yeah, whatever. I know what you're talking about. And he stored it in the back of the grill, like on the upper layer inside. Oh
2: gosh. And so I <laughs> just like turned
0: on the grill to like preheat it. And then there were like spouting oh, flames geez. coming out of this yeah. thing. I just like obliterated his <laughs> yeah. grill and it took me like an entire Saturday to clean it. Oh no. <laughs> always peek inside and check the grill.
2: Yeah. And the oven. In yeah, the in van. the oven. In the van. I don't even know. I think it was an ice cube tray. Yeah, because I was doing my contrast bathing for my finger at the time.
0: You make had, ice cubes in your van?
2: Yeah, I have like a little freezer. Nice. Yeah, it's enough for an ice cubes tray. And I think I had put something in the freezer. Uh-huh. So I couldn't put the ice cube tray in the freezer. So, so then I took <laughs> so it out, put, and put, put it in the, oven, in the oven. And <laughs> then it melted. <laughs> yeah, that was what happened. <laughs> See, I remember. Good time.
0: Uh, cool. We are rolling.
2: i wanted to see what happened silence cool (laughs) hi asma hi thanks for sitting down yeah no problem i got the nicer seat (laughs)
0: i'm comfortable that's good um i thought we could start with how you got into climbing we were talking on the phone the other day and i just have a note here that says hyper plus cute boys
2: Yeah, I mean that's all any twenty-one-year-old girl, <laughs> in the prime. Is of her that life. pretty much
0: said. Yeah. Sum it up.
2: Yeah, I mean the first time I ever even knew climbing was like a thing was. Did you guys have like a high school party when you like a graduation mm. party? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had one too, like a grad party, and it was played ping pong. Yeah, ours had like a rock climbing wall in it. Okay. Yeah, and I remember oh, just, we had a big jumpy house too. Yeah, it was. We probably had one of those too, yeah. and I Dang, rock was like, "Oh, what's up? You know, and I like. There was this dude, uh, I forget his name, but he was, like, Mr., like, Buffman, and he was, like, you know, like... In the yearbook? Yeah, in the yearbook, he was Mr. Buffman, but um, he... I remember, like, going on the rock climbing wall, and we didn't know what the hell we were doing, right? We just... Basically, the game was, like, who could get up the fastest. Mm. No one in my high school had any knowledge Mm -hmm. of the actual sport, and I, like, crushed everybody, because, including that guy. I remember he was wow. so, like, offended because I was super light. Like, uh-huh. I was, like, real thin, and I just had a lot of energy. And that's, like, the first time I ever, like, was like, this was fun huh. in my brain. And then I, like, I don't even know what I did that summer. And then I started college at First time Davis. you'd ever done it? Yeah, first time I'd ever done it. Okay. 18. Yeah. But, like I said, we didn't really do it (laughs) like we just like rainbowed up the wall Uh as fast as we could i don't even remember who was belaying us (laughs) like there must have been Mm. employees (laughs) right i hope or there was auto belay i don't even remember Mm. yeah and then i went to college uc davis Mm -hmm. and there was one in the gym like in the the rec you know kind of like at western right you guys had one same yeah yeah i mean i was just like oh i should try that again and so it took me several months to try it again and i did and i also remember noticing that there was like a lot of cute boys like at the rock wall <laughs> you know what i mean uh, and so like both those i was like that i remember that being fun and there's a bunch of cute boys there <laughs> and i'm like i have a lot of energy so it was a good way to get energy out but i i did it for like a year but it was like once a week okay like bouldering with the people like i don't think i knew what a quick draw was for like a solid period of time and then like i learned how to top rope but it was it was really just like another activity like i was doing ultimate frisbee and i was running and biking mm. and it was just like one of those other activities that I was just more it was almost more social mm-hmm. than anything what year was this <sighs> okay i started college that was 2010 okay. <laughs> when i first touched a rock wall or whatever okay yeah yeah, yeah. Times 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. <laughs> when did you become more of a real rock climber?
2: What's a real rock
0: <laughs> Great question. Um Yeah. Intentionally ambiguous.
2: Yeah. You know, okay. So I think when I studied abroad in Spain. Okay. Yeah. So in 2013, I studied abroad for a year in Spain. And by that point I was like, I liked rock climbing and I met people actually like my social life started to revolve around a few people I met at that gym. And then I went to this new gym in Davis, or actually it wasn't new, it was new to me, the mm-hmm. Rocknesium, where okay. Beth Rod started climbing, just a fun fact, <laughs> go Rocknesium. <laughs> and I met people there and we would go like once a month to like Tahoe or something and go top ripping or whatever, occasionally lead climbing. And so when it came around time to pick where I wanted to study abroad, because I got a degree in Spanish and so I was gonna study abroad for a year and I was between Spain or Chile or somewhere, I forget where. And what made me choose Spain was rock climbing. Okay. So there was, I remember that. So there was something there, some interest there that I was uh-huh. like, yeah, this matters enough to me that like, this Keys is going to... Spanish boys. Okay. And like, <laughs> <you> really... <laughs> yeah, that was 100% the only reason yeah. I was hoping to be Antonio. Is he even Spanish? Never mind. <laughs> I don't think he's actually Spanish. But um, yeah, so I went out there and met a bunch of people and was just like, wow, these people take climbing like they're way more... Into taking falls and trying hard and stuff, and mm. I just got wrapped up in that world there. Mm-hmm. And then I, I remember my grade like jumped by like a million because I would actually take falls, and like people were trying things more than once, and the energy was really awesome. Mm. And I think that's where I got really kind of quite hooked.
0: Where was that? Where were you?
2: I was from? in Barcelona. Okay, so I lived in Barcelona, and then I met this guy, actually, an American guy, at one of their like they had like an apartment bouldering gym. It was such a sick gym. Okay. I mean, it was actually really dirty and dusty and disgusting. Okay, but this it was... is
0: still all in a climbing gym in Barcelona.
2: So, well, I met this guy at the climbing gym.
0: Okay.
2: And, like I said, it was dusty and dirty and not that great. But, like, you can go at any time you want it, 24-7, mm. one of those kind of gyms. I never encountered anything like that before. And I met this American guy there, and he was, like let me like introduce my friends and he introduced me to his spanish friends and i got into that circle and we would go out to margalef and sierra and all monsant and so like i was like going to these world-class places i had no idea that they were like (laughs) these were the world-class places you know doing like seven a's and you know six c's and six B pluses and stuff yeah um and then we would travel like and then that summer i went to france and like say use and all these really cool crags that I really want to go to now. Yeah, again that yeah, I'm like yeah. uh, much better at rock climbing than I was back then. <laughs> but it was yeah, it was just such an infectious scene. And then I came mm. back and I was like, yeah, rock climbing. Mhm. Yeah.
0: Do you have plans to go back to those places?
2: Yeah, I have been back. I went back to Spain several times. Okay. I haven't been back to Ceuse or I went to France 2 years ago, but not to those same cliffs. Mhm. Yeah, I've been back. I actually wanted to go this fall, but I don't know what's going to happen now with mm. like, the, the Rona. Right. But yeah. Okay. Hopefully.
0: So then I want to ask you about how you came onto my radar because that was through a route called voltar not to be. <laughs> 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 it's likely the most talked about route on the podcast. It really so is. If people don't know what it is, <laughs> it's a very historic and beautiful 514A at Smith Rock. First 514 in America. And when did you... Was that a couple years ago, 2018?
2: When I did it was 2018. Yeah, okay. spring of 2018, was April that... 19th of 2018. April 19th of 2018. 2018. Was exactly okay. Yeah. <laughs> was that
0: all in a season, or had you? Yeah, kinda... that was in a season. That's yeah. amazing. Okay, so at the time, <laughs> I had met you, I think, like at the Churning Buttress or something.
2: Yeah, probably.
0: And I think you had climbed a handful of 513s at Smith, maybe like a couple 13Cs total.
2: Yeah, it's actually literally true. A couple two. Y- too. <laughs> yeah.
0: So then, you know, there's kind of like this bubbling of talk about it a little bit. You know, it's like, oh, Yasna's trying to bolter not to be. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. And then, like, you know, a couple weeks later, it's like, holy shit, Yasna's <laughs> doing really, really well on to bolter not to be. And people yeah. start paying more attention. And I'm like, whoa, who is. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh my God, she sent it.
2: Yeah. You know, through the. Grace of luck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the grace of luck. Yeah. Um, I, it's fascinating to me yeah. to talk to you after the fact about it. And I'd be curious to dig into what it was about that route that put it on your radar. We were talking on the mm. phone the other day, and you said something really interesting. You said, I never thought about the grade. Yeah, You know, a lot of people put a lot of attention or, or weight into this thing that's like, oh my God, your first 514A when you hadn't yeah. climbed 13D <laughs> yeah. yet. Yeah, But it seemed like it was so much more about that specific route.
2: Yeah, it really was. It is interesting because that's why the route is famous too, right? Mm. Like that's why it's famous is because it's America's first 514. Right. So you would think that if you're trying it, that's at least somewhat...
0: That's attached. ...in
2: the equation. Yeah. Right. So I actually was thinking about this after we hung up. And I don't remember when I first even heard of that route, you know, like, did I see a photo or watch a video or whatever, Mm -hmm. but for some reason, at some point in my early climbing career, that route became in my head, like the archetype of hard rock climbing. Like Mm -hmm. that to me was like, you know, it was sustained. The holds are small, which I've always liked it, like rewards proper execution and it climbs to, like, kind of the top of something. I mean, it doesn't really, but it it doesn't just end in, like, the middle of some random wall, you know what I mean? You start at the ground, and you end at the top, more or less. I mean, you could top it out if you really wanted to. And so I don't remember, like, what it was, like, what moment in my life I, like, watched some video or saw some photo, but it just seemed like it got into my head as the archetype of all the traits... I value most in a good rock climber, you need to have an abundance to do that route. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You had to have good footwork. You had to execute really well. You couldn't mess up. You had to have good endurance, good finger strength. And you got to the top of some beautiful buttress, right? Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it just like became this fascination that i had that i never really like worded or talked about you know it's not like i i set it out as a goal right it's not like in 2015 i wrote down like i'm gonna do that route one day Uh it just became like i don't know this just vision of this route i really wanted to do before i even set foot in oregon you know Mm -hmm. i've never even seen it i've never been to smith rocks but it was this wow yeah it was just like this i only have two routes like that right And to bolt was like very wanna talk one.
0: I want to talk about both of them.
2: Okay, <laughs> and they're both. They have similarities as yeah. we well, the, the you know go into later. It just became that route, and I don't even yet yeah, like to me. It wasn't about five fourteen eight. It was about all those qualities I listed mm-hmm. that you needed to have. And I remember when I first started trying it, people will come up to me and they'd be like, like, why don't you try Scarface, mm. which is like notoriously like I guess easier. I don't know. I haven't been on it. Allegedly,
0: and I don't. I, I totally have I know, that. and
2: I'm like, well. It wasn't even like, I don't want to do Scarface. It was like, well, there's no way I could do that route. Like, that's how I would respond. Like, there's just no way I have the ability to do that route. Or Mr. Yuck. Or Chemical Ali. Or whatever 514A you want to put in there. Yeah. Like, I was like, I can't do that. That's 514A. Like, I swear to God, I said that kind of shit.
1: That's fascinating. <laughs> you know what I'm
2: saying? And then people would look at me and be like, "What? what what's, what's wrong? Yeah, <laughs> like, as confused
1: as I am yeah, right now. Yeah,
2: I know. I'm kind of confused now Yeah, true, yeah. But it really, really was this beautiful moment in my life, actually. I've never, you know, I don't think it's ever going to happen again. Because like every route I've done since, it's been a little bit about the grade. I mean, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I guess every new grade, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I don't think it's ever going to happen again. I feel like I just, like, somehow this, like, really healthy perspective that I wish I could learn from my former <laughs> self, you know, a little bit. <laughs> but I just, like, it really was, like, as hokey as it sounds. Just it pure was, inspiration? It was just, like, pure, like, a dream. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. I know it sounds really lame and, like, kind of cheesy, but it did, really was like that, yeah.
0: Did you ever feel, like the, like, the reactions that you were getting from other people were... Did that ever affect you? Is that something you had to... <laughs> Had to think about it all? Yeah,
2: or? it's funny because when you said this the other day on the phone, I was like, oh, wow, really? Like, I was oblivious to all of that. Uh-huh. I think I was in my own And it
0: head. might just have been me. I was like, <laughs> who is that? And what is she trying? And like, yeah, what mean, has she done?
2: I Like, don't get me wrong. There were, I recall people saying certain things. Like Yeah.
0: I mean, we talked about this too that route is impossible to miss
2: yeah you can see yeah, it from yeah, the yeah.
0: parking lot you can yeah. see it across the entire crag whenever anyone's at the top of to bolt or not to yeah. be it's like oh who's trying to bolt? yeah yeah we all go running over
2: yeah yeah so i definitely got interesting glares and people would say things to me but i think it's going back to the fact that i was just so motivated to do it that it didn't even like register in my head i was like it just I just didn't notice. Another thing was, I wasn't like living in Smith at the time. I was commuting Mm. from Seattle to do the route.
3: Mm.
2: Like I wonder if my partner at the time, my friend Nick, he supported me the whole way. I wonder if he was more aware of this Mm. potential phenomenon (laughs) than I was (laughs) at Uh the time. Because I was just so like, we would figure out when we could go during the week. We would drive six hours one way to try the route. And... I would try it like once or twice because the skin pain is such a thing. And then I would work. The and... skin pain. Yeah. 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 And then I would work and leave. And I feel like I didn't have any room to even notice. <laughs> you okay. know, Because it's just an engrossing sure. process. Yeah. And that's not entirely true. When I first started it, I was on spring break. So I was there for a couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. then when I kept coming back to work on it, it was all weekend warrior style. Wow.
0: Were you making steady progress the whole time? What was the process like actually mm. working on it?
2: So I first tried it. I put top rope on it. Yeah. Like that's the way. That's the way. <laughs> if anyone wants to try that route, I mean, like I didn't even consider a at first. Uh-huh. Because I'm not like, I think there's two kinds of people who could like, either you could be like, you know, like Mike Doyle or Jonathan Segrist or Nina Capress and just do it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're good enough that it's, you're way stronger than that route. Mm-hmm. So it's no big deal. But if you're like me, like, <laughs> I put a top rope up on it because I didn't want to have to repeat moves in between the bolts. Cause it's, not, it's not like you can clip up on that yeah. route. I just wanted to get an idea.
0: When you were learning it. Yeah so, yeah.
2: Well, I only, yeah. so I put the top rope up once, did all the moves. And at that time, two things happened. One, I was like, this rod even better than I thought. Like, Sweet. you know, I put the topper up on it, not intending to project it that season. I just wanted to know what it was all about. Oh, interesting. I had, I had been climbing at Smith that winter mm-hmm. doing those weekend trips from Seattle. And did you do Rude Boys that season? Yeah, I did Rude Boys that season. And yeah. after I did Rude Boys, that's when I was like, okay, I'm curious. I just want to know what's, what this route's about. Okay. Put the topper up on it, and then those two things happened. Number one was I was just like, wait, I was like, this is just the best. I love this route. This is amazing. I need to do it. And yeah. two, I did all the moves, which. If you've talked to other people who've done that route or are working that route, it's not really, it's a good thing to do all the moves, but that route's about linking all the moves. Mm -hmm. And so it did give me a little bit of confidence, but none of those moves are like, it's not like a stop or crux or anything. Mm -hmm. So that's how, like I put the top rope on it. And then the thing with me is that I like to give things a lot of tries in a day, Mm -hmm. like a lot of tries in a day. i just that's how i do and that route was particularly challenging because the skin pain is so rugged mm. that i could try it maybe once every other day wow you know like wow yeah it's really harsh on your skin yeah like way more than any other route i've experienced and so i would basically do every other day day on day off and i would try to pull once maybe twice maybe yeah. you know so by the end of like my two week spring break i had spent a decent amount of time on it but i only tried it like a decent amount of time in smith but i only tried the route like 10 times or something wow you know what i mean yeah in terms of progress i don't know how nerdy you want me to get here (laughs) (laughs) but like basically there's like in my opinion there's like three distinct sections in the first half Uh uh-huh to a bad rest to, uh, well, a rest that you think is good when you're working on it. And then the time I actually got there, I was like, God, this does not all that awesome. <laughs> and then you have like a 13A, 12D kind of finish. Okay. Um, so when I left after spring break, which is March of 2018, I think I linked to the sixth bolt from the ground. Okay. And there are 14 bolts on that route. Mm-hmm. It was one I link started linking past the seventh because I think I think the hardest moves are between the sixth and the seventh.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
2: everyone says the ninth. Right? The ninth
0: bolt, right? That's
2: the red point, correct? So, but when I started linking past the sixth and seventh, that's when I started actually making pretty good gains. Uh-huh. But I left that spring break being like, man, I only got to the sixth bolt.
1: Uh-huh. Like
2: maybe I should give up because it was like straight up gonna be weekend warrior style, and it's such a condition dependent route. You know, I was, like, really worried about that. I was like, it's going to get too hot. Yeah. And I I can't be here whenever I want. Right. You know, I have to be here when I get time to be here, like, off of work. Right. So, it was all just so stressful, but it worked out, obviously. But I came back. I took, like, a week off, came back the next weekend, and I finally made it through that one little crux from the ground. And that's when the progress really started Mm. in terms of, like, I would then consistently do that. Hmm. And I would fall on something... A lot of times I would just slip off because like the feet are really bad on that mm-hmm. route. They're not edges; they're just like these smedges, yeah.
0: Smudges. I and love. Like, I've never heard that. I like really? it. Smudgy edges. I definitely
2: did not make that up. Smudges. <laughs> but you can thank me. Why is this new to me? I don't know. I live especially there. you. Yeah, I know. Especially if you climbed that Smith a lot. But it's um, a perfect word. Oh man, I tore through so many shoes. What were you wearing? Mira's the VS's. Uh huh. Like the I women's? said, if you're yeah, the blue, the, the blue ones. Yeah, I have like six pairs of those and they're all from that six week period in which I was working oh on the god! Because the, feet, the footwork was so important to me yeah. that there would be moments when I would like slip off it of for no reason yeah. and I would look at my shoe and it'd be like an impeccable shoe <laughs> except for this like <laughs> tiny molecule of whatever rubber on this really These specific part done. and I'd be like done and I'd get a new pair. Oh and my I god. spent probably like a grand on Holy that. Holy shit. Not, well, probably more if you count the gas and stuff. You know, and yeah. I like the day I sent was a new shoe.
0: <laughs> brand new.
2: I think my feet are forever morphed into the Mira shape, like straight of out
0: reason. of the box.
2: I did two warm ups that day. Seriously? Uh, I normally, first day climbing in them. Yeah, first day climbing in them. Wow, the footwork is really important on that thing. Right, but anyways, did
0: it not feel too? Did they not feel too <laughs> stiff straight out of the box for the smedges?
2: Yeah, somehow.
0: Personally, I feel like I want broken-in oh. shoes for smudgy stuff like well, that. Well, that's
2: the thing. I think because I had been wearing them so much that I would just break them in really quickly. Mm. And I also did a third try that day. So, <laughs> you know, like, they are kind of broken in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they are almost done. Yeah, they
2: are almost done. Yeah, <laughs> throw them in the back garbage. Throw them out. <laughs> yeah, no, I still have some iterations of those shoes. Because wow. they were, like, perfect for every other damn totally. thing. Yeah, so, I mean, I was set on shoes for a while. Uh-huh. Um... <laughs> But yeah, uh, back to the progress question. Uh, yeah, so there's this principal crux at the ninth bolt. Yeah. And there's like a rest there, apparently. Isn't there like a silly little rest? I didn't. Yeah, use... like
0: a piano key sort of one pad edge. Yeah. Thing. So. It's... It would not be considered a rest in any other context.
2: Yeah, I actually didn't use it though because I use different bay than I think most people there because of my height. But whatever. And I linked so when you get to the tenth bolt you're pretty nervous because you've done all the hard rock climbing and you're like, okay, I have four more bolts of like one more Crocs, four more bolts of bigger moves, better feet, but still Mm. hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to the 10th once before I sent, but I totally messed up my beta between the 9th and 10th and just like did some bullshit on the fly and somehow it worked. Oh wow. And I got to that rest and I was like, well, I knew I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. Um, but I was really psyched because I was like, cool. If someone put an anchor right here, that's uh, the hardest piece of rock climbing I've ever done. You know what I'm wow, saying? Yeah. Like I was like, and I remember talking about people. I looked behind me and there was a crowd of people. Whoa. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is intimidating. Uh-huh. And then I totally punted like off the next move because <laughs> oh, I had no shit. idea what I was doing because I hadn't really worked the top that much. Wow. Yeah. Why? Because I was so invested in the bottom half because it's so much harder. Right. That I would really try to dial it in. And I knew that once I figured it, like once I was like, okay, I can send this through, I would go and wrap from the top. Okay. And do the top a bunch so that I wouldn't have to waste my skin on the bottom. So
0: this was like a surprise try, kind of? This is a
2: surprise try. Yeah, yeah. So then I like. Surprise break. Yeah, I went back to Seattle. I remember. And then I totally bailed on a bunch of people and a bunch of work for the week that I did it because the weather looks so good. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was straight up... I remember... <laughs> it was like the day before my birthday and like there was like a party being planned for me and I just bailed. I bailed on my own birthday party. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I was like, yeah, I, like this weather window looks really good. I made it to the ninth bolt last time. So, and like no one knew what the fuck I was talking about, you know? Right, and these are up, non-climbers. Yeah, just not really. I mean, my roommate knew what was up because I was always leaving for Smith. So I just was like, okay, I'm just gonna like, I completely bailed on hilarious. every other responsibility of my life, left my own birthday party, and I woke up on my birthday <laughs> by myself in Skull Hollow and was like, better find a Belair. <laughs> and yeah, I worked the top that day and then sent the next day.
0: Holy um, shit. That's know. a great birthday present to yourself.
2: Yeah. Two days later. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't
0: have happened if you'd eaten all that cake. And... It,
2: well, it would, I'm you, <laughs> it wouldn't have happened if I had it left because the next week it got hot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, nice. maybe... Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's pretty funny. Like, I mean, I'm psyched, but right. but like, there was some sacrifices that were made. Yeah, yeah. But, like for those six weeks, like all I did was to bolt and work. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like it's a casual commute. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: What, what is it? Four hours, five hours, uh, six hours, six
2: one hours one way without traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have done it without Nick, because he would come with me. Mm-hmm. My friend Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, so go. Go partners. Okay,
0: I wanna hear the Mike Doyle story.
2: Oh right. The Mike Doyle
0: story. (laughs) Um, And he's probably listening, so Mike.
2: Oh, that's not intimidating at all. (laughs) Okay, so today I did it, um at that point I finally like was able to give more than two burns or one burn because my skin just got accustomed to it. And I remember I would warm up with tape on my tips and then tape the tape off for On all of them. no, no God, no. Like the basically like the two index fingers. That okay. Was, so I would warm up with tape on my tips. It's like a strategy thing that everyone wants to try. Yeah. Through. And then I I'm would taking um, notes. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would climb to bolt without the tape and
0: really quickly. Yeah. What did
2: you warm up on for that? Heinous. Okay. So I started off warming up Oh, heinous cling. Sorry, just saying heinous to like oh, that sounds. The
0: twelve A or twelve C. Yeah. So there's
2: a twelve A heinous cling, and then if you go to the top, it's twelve C, right?
0: Two sets of anchors. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I would. I started off forming up on like the usual magic light and like overboard and all that. But okay. I found that heinous cling was like a much reduced version of Tabool. Totally.
0: Right? Same uh, exact angle. Yeah. It's kind style. of interesting.
2: There's like and the, i mean sorry. There's heinous and there's darkness at noon and there's Tabult.
0: 12A, 13A, 14A. There
2: needs to be like a, yeah. It, it, yeah they're yeah. all kind of like stepping up from uh-huh. one from the other. And you could put karate wall in there too if you really wanted to. Yeah, I warm up on Heinous, but I would do the 12 C Crocs. So I would do okay. and then I would like stop. I wouldn't go to the top every time because uh-huh. it's like I think I went to the top once. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I warmed up on. But that day I warmed up twice because I had new shoes.
0: Okay. You normally just do it once?
2: Yeah, normally I would just and
0: do then it get once. on to bolt.
2: Yeah, and then I would get on to bolt. But yeah, Mike Doyle. So on my the reason I mentioned all this like about the number of goes was because it was my third go of the day uh-huh. and I had one hung for the very first time, they go before that. Okay. Because before I would never try the whole route because I would be like, gotta conserve skin.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so I was there and I was like, man, the weather is really nice right now. It was just like perfect conditions. And I was looking at my skin. I was like, I don't think it's a good idea to go three times, but I was like, yeah, I'll just stop if it hurts too much. Right. Mm. And so I'm booting up like at the base of the wall and it's like seven o'clock. It's like seven thirty, something like that, whatever time it would be like dusky. Mm-hmm. At uh, Smith Rock on April nineteenth, two thousand eighteen, <laughs> <laughs> and Mike Doyle walks by with this other Mike, actually, uh-huh. um, and I didn't know Mike Doyle. Like I've never talked to him really, and I kind of doubt he's going to remember any of this. But like I doubt he knows who I am. Okay, but I obviously recognize him because he's Mike Doyle. Like he's a well-known climber. Uh huh. But he was also with someone I actually knew, and uh-huh. so the other Mike was asking me some questions about the route. You know, and I was like answering them as I was booting up with my mirrors and then Mike Doyle, he looks at me and I know he'd done the route and Mm -hmm. I knew he did it fast. And
0: there's something about the lighting.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm getting there. So for some reason, like in my memory maybe it's just wrong <laughs> in my memory Mike Doyle is like literally glowing <laughs> because because the sun was like going through Asterix Pass or whatever and it was just this beautiful evening and there's Mike Doyle and he's looking at me and he's like glowing like he's just literally this an angelic glow to him and he looks at me and he says you know to do that route you don't have to be 514A strong but you have to be 514A good hmm. and I was like yeah yeah man you're so right and then i said so <laughs> it's like because he is right that's why i could do it with my like 213 c's or whatever and i yeah. can't do because he's actually that's like the best way to describe that route and then he walked away i didn't never saw him again that season so in my opinion he just like appeared <laughs> at the base of to said that and then just like vanished into the dust or whatever <laughs> uh, but yeah it was yeah pulled I mean,
0: out his wings and flew away.
2: i mean it's straight up he was like glowing and i mean maybe i could like hire him and he could just follow me around on mm. my next big project and just show up <laughs> and say something inspirational to me but yeah that was cool i mean it's a good way to sum the root up for sure hmm. you don't have to be 514 strong, wrong guaranteed hmm. <laughs> i mean i wasn't
0: yeah yeah and it made not. you a better climber
2: yeah, probably. Okay. I Can't imagine. It. I mean, the experience certainly did. Yeah. I never had experience like that before.
0: Yeah, I guess I. I don't even know why I asked that. I mean, it like there's. I want to move on, and I want to move on to peace, and like yeah. there's no better proof that it helped your climbing, at least in that right. specific style, right? Because then you go on to Tuolumne Meadows, and you climb Peace. This is like two months after tobol,
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it sounds like that was a very different experience from <laughs> yeah. a whole season sieging to both.
2: Yeah, yeah, peace went by quickly. Um, yeah, so peace is that 13 CD Ron Kauk route on Meldicott in uh, Tallinn Meadows, right? Mm-hmm. And
0: Vertical little knobs. Vertical
2: knob climbing, and there's yeah. that photo. Oh, mm-hmm. who's took that photo? I used to know. God. That photo of Ron Kauk, uh-huh. he's in the black streak, and uh, he's locking off and doing that move, yeah. which is the last hard move of that route. Okay. And that was, like, one of those other routes that I wanted to do. This is
0: that I second route yeah, that, that second was route that I epitomized want to do. hard rock climbing. Yeah.
2: yeah. For some reason, I just thought of vertical climbing as, as yeah. hard rock climbing. I've definitely branched out since then. But, um, yes, yeah, so I show up in Tommy at end of June, and we put a rope up on that. Again, top rope, top rope sessions, for sure, on that one. Um, but we actually fixed the rope. So we can mini-T on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Mini-Traction. Yeah,
2: because it's like... I mean, it's on this huge dome. You can't, like...
0: You were it. saying on the... This was really interesting to me on the phone. It makes complete sense. But you yeah. were like, that... You have to do it. That's the way to do it.
2: In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's just the most efficient way. Uh-huh. I mean, both those routes... the Like, n- neither one of them are, like, dangerous. But they're not, like... You can't, like, go in straight and clip up or whatever. It just makes so much more sense to, like, stick up your way up it, fix a line, and then work it out because especially when they're skin intensive you know if you fall out a crux or whatever you gotta like do it again to mm-hmm. get to the next bolt it's just like where's your skin out where's your energy out and it like in my opinion the first few times like i just want like a macro view of the route. you know what i mean just to yeah. see if i can do it and so if i'm like stuck on one part i can't just move on mm-hmm. yeah peace i i mini teed on it five or six times before i pulled the rope and then went for the lead go
0: and sent it your first yeah yeah that was crazy yeah yeah so
2: yeah then i did it my first try which was really cool i mean my first try leading it Uh uh-huh first try ever that would Uh be that would be insane
0: (laughs) i just have a short little note here that says glacier polish
2: (laughs) right i forgot so so the thing about piece is it's really long Uh uh-huh like i think it might be 50 meters long Um, do you connect uh, like an intro pitch into so to get to the base so you got to get to Meldicott Dome. You do some like weird 5-6 thing that you can just solo up. And then you get to this huge ledge. Okay. And from that ledge, I mean, that's your that's your base camp, right? Like there's a bunch of roots. Um, peace, you do, I think the intro pitch is 10B or something. It's okay. just knob down. It might be harder. I don't remember. It's not that long. You get to a set of anchors. So then the second pitch of peace is, is the money pitch. That's okay. The...
0: But you're not pitching it out.
2: I pitched it out. Oh, so, you did. Okay. Yeah, just for rope drag purposes, uh-huh. um, and also rope length purposes, like. And the second pitch is still fifty meters. Yeah, I Whoa. think it's somewhere between. So the reason I say that is because we had a two hundred ten or two hundred foot static line, uh-huh. and so we fixed it from the ground from the ledge ledge. Okay. Um. So we did fix the the ten part uh-huh. five ten first pitch, so that's like a how how many meters is the two hundred ten. a lot of meters that's like a 50 meter rope or something but way more that's like a 70 that's like a 65 meter rope or something so from the ledge we could not reach the second anchors wow right so we fixed it to like these rando bolts right below the anchor Uh okay
3: (laughs) (laughs) so right okay yeah yeah yeah,
2: so you see what i'm saying when i was working on it that worked because it had pieces of really distinct crux Mm -hmm. so that's different than to bullet. And then it has a really bomber rest, and then it has this like five twelve climbing that then culminates like a five thirteen red point move, and then you're in this scoop where like a no hand scoop, and that's where the rope was fixed. Mm-hmm. So for working it, it was fine because all the hard sections were were counted for right. Mm-hmm. So when I wanted to lead it, my Blair came to the anchor, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna check it out, like see what the clips are like, and then see what the top is like because I hadn't been up to the anchor before uh-huh. so then i like blink and i'm like through the crux which was real the crux is hard the crux on that page is probably harder than any single move onto bolt okay. Like it's it's a cruxy little piece of rock um and then i get through the red point crux and i'm like shaking with the cliffs because it's kind of right it's Tommy meadows you know it's yeah. not like known for being like spanish style bolting yeah and then I get to that scoop and I'm like breathing really hard and I'm in the scoop and I'm like, okay, like relax, you could do this. You like two more bolts and you're gonna send this thing, you know?
0: Right. And so you're on sighting from here on.
2: Yeah, I'm on sight from here on out for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I um I remember being like, I look up and I'm like, yeah, like it looks like five eleven. Like those knobs are gigantic. Like, you got this, you know, mm-hmm. in the bag. <laughs> it's like <laughs> trying to like be like, yeah, but then not getting too confident. So I start climbing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is easy. Like, these moves are easy. And then I see the anchor, and I kind of, like, whimper. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if anyone else has had this experience. I've not talked to anyone who's done this route. Okay. But if you've ever been to Tuami or, like, anywhere that's been glaciated, like, some of those domes have this glacial polish on them. So it's, like, just basically where the glacier was, right? Mm -hmm. So I get there, and I'm like, wow, there used to be a glacier here. And then I'm like... That's cool. And then I think, holy crap, he put the anchor like in the glacier polish. And that's a problem because if you touch any of that stuff, it's like not – there's no texture there. It's like, there's like no polished holds. marble. It's just polished marble basically, yeah. but it's granite. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, how the fuck do you clip those anchors? Like <laughs> where do you stand? It's like this slab of polish. There's no feet that I could see. I didn't see any handholds. Oh it was just like gosh. this streak of polish and I was like – shit (laughs) and so I kind of go up and down and up and down and like Belair's probably like what the hell is going on you know and eventually I just commit to some stupid on the fly sequence where I found like two little feet that kind of worked and I was like but I'm not touching that rock like I I knew if I touched it it would just be not a good idea (laughs) so I like leaned into the rock no hands I'm on these two crappy feet and I start pulling up the rope and we're talking like a lot of rope (laughs) And it's just like this. I'm so glad he was at the first anchor. If he was at the ledge, I don't even know. Uh, like just so much weight and I just shove it into those. the longest second of my life. <laughs> and yeah, And I'm like, you know, I just don't understand because I was out of no hands like 30 feet below this. Mm-hmm. And that would have made it possible to lower with an 80. And mm-hmm. now I have all these learning shenanigans and I had that heinous anchor experience. But whatever. It's all good because I did it. But, I, yeah, I really want to know if anyone else has had that experience. Mm-hmm. I think Ron Kalk did, because in that Masters of Stone video, he freaking grabs the anchors. Right, so
0: you are <laughs> telling me that you, like, you tried to understand, you're like, how the hell did Ron do this, and how did anyone else do it? And he does it in Masters of Stone, but he gets to the top and he just grabs the chains. Yeah,
2: and I mean, I'm sure he actually did it in real life, and, like, you know, like... Maybe, maybe well, not. I'm sure Katie Lambert did it, and Lonnie <laughs> did it, Like, like, I think it's different when you show up and you have... A, been up there, and B, didn't have this, like, experience of, like, I really wasn't expecting to even get through the crux on that girl, mm-hmm. and so I was, like, frazzled. Yeah. It's probably not even that bad. Right. I bet you someone's going to write to you and be like, she's fucking lying to you. <laughs> like, maybe I made it all up, but in the moment, it was very real, and I thought I was going to lose, I thought I was going to botch it. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah, the reason I'm, like... Cause you mentioned like to bolt train me for that or something. Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting because after I did it, I was like, well, that can't be thirteen D because most people give it thirteen Delta. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I had never done I I hadn't even been on a thirteen D at that point. Okay, (laughs) and I was like, well, if to bolt is fourteen A. Like this is more than one step below it.
3: Hmm.
2: But it's impossible to do it that way. You know, now that I think about it more, you know, it's just. I went with the consensus, mm-hmm, you know. It, mm-hmm. They're they're different too, they're different. Like one is cruxy, one is not.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when it has harder moves yeah. but not as sustained, it's hard yeah. to. Yeah.
2: And the feet are the much algorithms better.
0: don't always make sense.
2: Yeah, their feet are much better on on piece. Interesting. Overall. Yeah.
0: Were there any tactics from what I understand about that route? I haven't tried it, but I think I remember hearing Beth Rodden talk about it in one oh, of the okay. dosage movies, and she was saying it was really hard to remember what knobs to grab. Oh,
2: yeah, for There's sure. There's just
0: knobs everywhere.
2: Yeah, see knobs.
0: Did you have any strategy for remembering and for any tick hmm. mark yeah. strategies? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I definitely ticked it. Um mm-hmm. It was lucky because I was basically the Color-coded only one. Color coded ticks? With <laughs> no, like no, no, no.
0: So left and right symbols or anything? So
2: I really honed in on the crux. Okay. So you start off, and it starts off like 5'12, kind of sharp climbing. It's all there. I mean, it's not, it's just kind of hard. And then you get to this, then you get to the crux. And that's where I was like busting out the strategies because the crux involves these like, we called them the die holds because that's how they look like they're like dice on the wall. Mm. And I actually remember this being a problem. I would be like, I don't know which two fingers to nipple pinch this die hole. Because that's how you would have to hold it, you know, with these really specific pinches. And... You know, I ticked them. I did. I, I didn't have any specific strategies besides just straight up taking it and visualizing it on my mm. rest days. But I remember when I sent, I grabbed it with the wrong two fingers. And oh, I was wow. just like, go with it. <laughs> 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 but the problem was because I was so honed in on the crux, I really bear it was kind of like this kind of like the bolt thing. I didn't really work on the top that much mm-hmm. because my first time up it, I onsided from that rest through the thirteen day like red point crux, oh um, into that scoop. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna focus on the crux, yeah. And that was not the best strategy because when I was up there, like, uh, like leading it, I was like, fuck, I wish I remember what to do here. Uh-huh. Like I did some down climbing and some bullshit. Like it was just a straight up, like, try really hard sort of thing. So yeah. unfortunately I can't really impress upon you anything besides just taking and visualizing Okay. Like, the, yeah. know, the two things that we all do. Yeah. But yeah, no, I didn't have color code chalk or anything. <laughs> I felt bad because like after there's a huge rain event. And all the chalk got washed out. Oh, wow. This, this guy who was there, he was like, oh, I really want to try that route. Yeah. And then he like showed up and everything was gone. Oh, man. <laughs> so all my hard work didn't pay off for Oh, <laughs> dang. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about when you showed up? Did you have to like find all the holds and chalk everything or was there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: There wasn't anything. It's not as like, I don't recall it being like some epic to figure it out. Okay. I remember it being, taking some time for sure. But like I said, really all about the crux. Mm. The top, like you have options. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah cool the crux
0: so those are both 2018 right yeah yeah i want to get to something more current (laughs) so you just recently sent a route called voodoo
2: yeah it's
0: your first 514b we're talking on the 4th of june now this is like what two weeks ago
2: oh the day i did it yeah Yeah. may something yeah May something yeah like a week or two ago
0: okay yeah congratulations thanks yeah
2: (laughs) yeah that's a good one
0: yeah yeah do you want to tell me about that one
2: well, it's in Washington. Where should we start?
0: <laughs> it's it's in Washington at a crag called Equinox. Yeah. Unfortunately, that crag does have a bit of a sensitive access.
2: Yeah. Sort of yeah. situation, yep. so
0: we probably can't spray too much about it.
2: Well, you can technically go there. Uh-huh. It's on DNR land. It's it's just. It's just a really it, long approach. At this yeah, point. it's a long approach at this point, and I mean, I have all the information. If anyone wants to go, okay. there, they can tell me. I mean, access from the Washington Climbers Coalition does too. There's basically one road you could take now. But the gate's locked, and mm. it's six miles one way Okay, um, with a bike or by foot. Gotcha. Um, yeah. There used to be this, like, access to Boy Scout land. You used to be able to just drive up that road. But, mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, that's not.
0: So it was exciting for me to hear that you were working on that mm. because that was actually my first, like, sport, crank, sport climbing oh, crack. Oh, cool, yeah. That's, like, where I cut my teeth oh, really? for sure. Yeah, I was <laughs> awesome. living in Bellingham at the time, and... I'd been mostly bouldering for, mm-hmm. you know, the five years that I'd been a climber at that point mm-hmm. and I started climbing there and Black Magic, which is the 13A, yep. yeah. is was my first 13A. Oh, really? That's yeah.
2: a proper first 13A, dude. Yeah, nice. yeah.
0: It was the one yeah. that was there, you know? It was like, that's
2: cool. That is kind of the one that's there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess there's multiple, but that was the one that like really caught my eye at first. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I
0: remember even then like looking up above and being like, whoa, maybe someday. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know? Yeah, so I should give a big asterisk here. So when Jonathan and did that route mm-hmm. in two thousand eleven, he started. So Black Magic has two starts, right? Right. So Black Magic is a thirteen a at Equinox, and it, Equinox is kind of this cave feature, right? It's mm-hmm. not like as steep as a real cave, but it, it kind of is kind of like a cave. And Black Magic starts at the very bottom of that cave. Does mm-hmm. kind of a burly, um, burly boulder problem and then
0: like v6 or something
2: yeah like v5 or v6 it kind of depends on yeah. it's kind of height dependent it's kind of weird and it's kind of often wet um mm-hmm. so it kind of depends on where you fit in there some people call it really hard others don't seem to think it's that bad i think it's pretty burly uh-huh. um and then you get to this like jug this jug happens to be like face level with this boulder that you could just jump off of and grab that jug uh-huh. so you could skip the bottom boulder uh-huh. jump off this other boulder and then if you do that start is 12d.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Right. So when Jonathan did it, he did it from the ground.
3: Uh-huh.
2: I don't maybe Jeremy Zacharias did it from the ground? I did not. I did the jump start to do voodoo. Okay. I think Reed Johnson did the jump start and I think Ben Harrington also did like I think everyone else who's ever done it has done the jump start. Okay. For various reasons that if you want to, I can go into it. Um I've done the 13a. Yeah. Yeah, I did the 13a. Um and originally I was like I'm going to do the I'm going to do it from the ground. Right. You know but I didn't end up doing it that way. Okay. Um, if you want, I can explain why. But it's still really hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, it sounds
0: like seeping's is probably a big factor. So
2: it gets wet a lot. It's also kind of a pain because there's, like, this giant boulder, the one you jump off of.
0: Right, that you might that, swing th- into. That you swing
2: into every time. Right. Um, and especially I remember, with, like,
0: starting Z-clipped and, like, doing some yeah, you, shenanigans. Yeah, you have to start
2: back-clipped and then you have to, like, undo it. Uh-huh. It's this whole process just to do the bottom boulder. And the other thing was, for me, that bottom boulder... And I just didn't love it. Mm. It's this, like, thrutchy, shouldery thing. Mm-hmm. Especially with my height, like, it felt like World Cup style. Like, okay. kind of boulder. And basically, I was less psyched on the route Okay. with that boulder added. Mm-hmm. And so, and the jump is, like, awesome. Like, if you're, mm-hmm. I started to kind of hate it after a while, like... For sure because it's like oh god i have to jump off this rock again if you're sh- if you're tall you can just lean over and grab the jug uh-huh. like you straight up if you're short you've got to like fly through the air mm-hmm. and uh
0: you didn't just clip over and like take on the rope for no oh, oh no you... no
2: no no you jump nice <laughs> you jump that's awesome you definitely jump there's no taking and in... no, no. <laughs> i did work it sometimes i'm like okay, i don't feel like doing this uh-huh. but like for send goes yeah you jump okay yeah, so I don't know why Reed and Ben and they didn't do it that way, but it's just not that creative of a boulder. Mm-hmm. It's annoying to work, like you're going to smash into the wall, mm-hmm. and the top climbing is so much harder than anything on that bottom that I can't imagine it would change the grade at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe sense. it does.
2: But yeah, I want to be really clear there because people would ask me, like, are you going to do it from the ground? Yeah. And I originally I was, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it from the ground. But basically it became this point of like, I don't like it as much from the ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So why would I? Mm-hmm. That's why I did it. So cool. yeah. Yeah. And then you come the... It's yeah still badass. Yeah. I think it's... I mean, I don't... Is it? I don't know. But I mean, it's, a, it's a great route. like <laughs> And I think it's a better route if you do it that way. Cool. Um, yeah. The thought of doing that it like 50 times. I don't even... <laughs> it's just such an annoying little and it's like constantly wet (laughs) um but yeah so
0: so when we were talking when we were first texting about doing this interview you sent me something really funny i think one of the things i said that i was interested in asking you about was voodoo and you're like well here's my story and you (laughs) sent me like a two sentence thing that was like started eating cheese stopped training only climbed outside and now I'm way closer, not injured, but still haven't sent. <laughs> and that was that was your podcast interview. That was your oh, good. That was your story at the time, and then yeah. you went on to send. You were of course talking about voodoo, and you mm. went on to send like a week later. Mm. Um, but then we followed up and talked more about it, and it sounds like it was quite a journey on that one. You had multiple seasons, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you had a pretty serious injury or kind of like a scare.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: On a send go. Yeah. Last year, is <laughs> yeah. that right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Tell me about that.
2: See, so, yeah, I started trying the root last summer, got really into it, etc. And then, towards the end of the summer, it finally started to get like kind of reasonable conditions because okay. it was just way too hot. And I got really confident at one point because I finally just one hung the thing basically. And at one point, I was getting really confident and I felt this like twinge in my finger. My right uh, ring finger. And I totally ignored it. Like, I did the thing mm. you're not supposed to do. Like, I, I like, kind of stopped. Like, at that point, I was training. I was actually training. For the first time in my, like, climbing career, mm-hmm. I, like, got a coach that I trained. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Because I was working a lot. I was TAing.
0: Where I, were you training at?
2: So, I got... I, I did one of Chris Hampton's things. Okay. Like, I, I... He was, like, my dude. Like, we would, like, do the app thing. Uh-huh. So, I was like, well, I have to work a lot. Like, I can only get out once a week or whatever. Like, I should at least... I should finally start training Mm -hmm. and it was working like I was getting stronger for sure like it was working in that regard but yeah my fingers started hurting probably because I was just overdoing it and I like stopped hangboarding and that's all I did to like address that problem Mm. and then I got really close one day and I remember telling my belayer I was like damn I'm really close but my finger really hurts you know but I I was walking that razor thin line you know between injury and like peaking and me being me, I just went out. And the next time I went out, the very first crux is like these micro crimps. Grab the micro crimp and I felt something really wrong. and mm. I just let go, right? So that was my last day on the route in 2018. Mm. And I knew something was wrong for sure. I didn't hear a pop or anything like that. I just felt the sudden twinge. Mm. But like I said, it had been hurting for like weeks at that point. And I went to see a doctor about it. So Dr. Winston Warm, who people might know around here, he's kind of like the climbing doctor. Okay. So he's really good. He does shoulders and knees and also fingers, and he has that ability to ultrasound the finger to actually see if the pulley is torn. Yeah. And the way that they do that is they ultrasound your finger and they measure the distance from the base of your bone to the tendon, right? Because what a pulley does is it holds a tendon to the bone. Mm Mm-hmm. So if that distance is too high, they know that something's been compromised, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I go in there and I'm like cool I got this access to this super cool doctor because he's in my network through University of Washington and he's a great guy and that he got me in there fast you know Mm. he was like yeah like this week let's do it and show up and the guy does a scan And he just straight up looks at me. He's like, you fully tore your pulley. Like, fully tore it. I was thinking like a sprain or something, you know, because I didn't hear anything. There was not really much swelling. The things I'd heard that should happen didn't happen. And so when he said that, I felt really blindsided. Hmm. Because when I'd heard of full tears, I have only heard pretty horrible recovery times and potential surgery mm-hmm. so i was really scared and then he told me okay like don't worry like it's gonna heal and it's gonna heal really well because i have these orthotic braces that you wear and what the brace does like it's kind of like tape it's like a it's a thermoplast so you like mold some plastic to your finger and you wear it non-stop for six weeks whoa and it's like so the idea is it's supposed to help the pulley heal close to the bone
3: Okay. Because
2: <clears throat> what did it, so it holds
0: your tendon up against your bone, maybe. So yeah. Like it, like it acts like a
2: fake pulley. And okay. so it's like training the tissue or the ligament. I don't know what the correct word is really to, to heal as it should. Okay. Cause he says, he, he told me was that when they tear, they often heal really stretched out, mm. you know? And mm-hmm. that's, that just, it's nothing really bad, but it could promote like tendonitis later. Apparently. Mm. So yeah, it takes six weeks off. He's like, you don't do anything, you know? nothing for 6 weeks yeah. and i had just felt the strongest i ever felt which happens uh, happens to every i mean it happens to a lot of people the juxtaposition between like being in your prime and then being really injured is seems to be one that other people have experienced sure. you know yes
0: it's quite common
2: and so i take 6 weeks off and i was you know i'm pretty um pessimistic sometimes
0: (laughs) some people
1: would
2: say and i was like and i'm also really into data like i read every paper possible about fingers you know what i mean i'm sure we all would have but i had access to like the university library i looked up everything i knew all the numbers you know i knew what my chances were and the chances seemed actually pretty okay that if i wore this thing it would heal pretty normally and it would be a long road to recovery but in four or five months that would be okay Mm mm-hmm so, six weeks later, the idea is to take a scan and that now my pulley should be closer to the bone, right? To okay. see how it's healing. Yeah. So, I show up and I was like trying to prepare myself for the idea that it might not be, right? Like, I was like, maybe it's not going to be and they're going to tell me to have surgery because that's another option is to have surgery. Show up, they do the scan and I had read enough papers and seen enough images and looked at my own image that they gave me of the pulley, like the ultrasound.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I knew that nothing had changed. Like when mm. he put the goo on my hand, and he put the ultrasound probe on my finger and I saw the image and the air in the room just got really thick, you know, oh, like the tension was yeah. just like, and it wasn't the doctor, in Dr. Warm, who was actually doing it. It was like his technician, uh-huh. this guy, Eric, and he's really nice guy. And he, the one who did the first one. And you know, we, I don't even know if he told me anything or if I just like left, like it was just really obvious that nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. So I'm like sitting in the freaking waiting room, just like devastated, just mm-hmm. devastated. Like, okay, I'm never climbing again, or I need to have surgery and they're going to like tear my finger apart. I'm never going to be the same, and especially someone like me. I really like small holds, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not like, I, I don't, yeah. So it was really hard to wait that long, try to believe in the process, something you can't see or feel, and then just like be told that nothing, your body didn't heal, your body didn't do its job, you know? Mm. And then I get this text message. I'm sitting in the waiting room. I'm definitely crying, okay?
3: Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the waiting
2: room by myself, like, just, it's like pouring rain outside. It's just a gloomy ass day, you know? <laughs> and I get this text, and it's like from Dr. Warren. He's like, hey, can I call you? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, call me, dude. Tell me. Tell me I need surgery. <laughs> yeah. He calls me. And He was like eating a bag of chips or something the whole time, <laughs> I swear. Because I heard this like rustling <laughs> and like he was eating something. He's like, so I saw your images. And this is why he's so good is, like, not only is he good at, like, the doctoring side of things, but mm-hmm. he is fast at responding. Um, he knew I was sitting there freaking out, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, so I saw your images that were just taken, like, five minutes ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I-, I don't think you actually tore your pulley, is what he told me. Hmm. And I was like, como? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, And then as he starts explaining it to me, I start to realize what actually happened Okay, based on my methodical research. That okay. I done. So like he said, when I first heard it, if you don't wear that brace, it heals very far from the bone. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if I had torn it really torn it, it should look different six weeks later, even if it's not healing perfectly. Mm. If I had a traumatic event, I'm a healthy person. Mm-hmm. It should be a little different. Mm-hmm. No change indicates no trauma. Right. Mm. And so what he thinks happened, and why I think happened too, because why not, <laughs> is that I must have torn this a long time ago. Like a long time ago, I tore my pulley. I didn't notice because I was like doing the climbing like once a week or something where I wasn't, you know, I wasn't super gung ho about it right yeah. away. Something happened. I tore my pulley. I never really noticed. And it healed, stretched out. Hmm. And so because they had no baseline image of my ring finger pre- me showing up Mm -hmm. you know if they had taken this image like a year ago it probably would have looked the same but i had no symptoms Mm. my pulley was just really stretched out i had a new normal Mm -hmm. and so i basically had apparently a bad case of some sort of flare-up with tendonitis because it was stretched out and that's what caused the pain and so here i am thinking i'm done you know (laughs) and he's like you can go climbing like today if you want (laughs) you can do whatever you want you're Uh fine wow and i was like what and so I went to the gym I took that damn thing off and I knew he was right like I didn't fully tear it because you know I did like a V7 or a V8 or something you know like yeah. you're not supposed to even be able to like hold like yeah, like glass of water at that point with right. you, you know what I mean like it felt fine it felt totally fine wow yeah I felt totally fine.
0: Amaz- well, did they look at your other ring finger? And- yeah. Okay. So I
2: had other images and those looked like perfect. Like those. Got so it. So if I ever hurt this other ring finger, I have a baseline image for that ring finger. Uh-huh. But yeah, I had never gone in before to get these images done. Fascinating. Yeah. So if anyone like, and I'm not trying to like, Dr. Worm did what he needed to do because he probably thought of that. I, you Maybe he had that. Um,
0: There's a chance that this was. Yeah. But yeah. if,
2: if I had even risked trying to climb on it too soon Uh then you're talking about pulling other pulleys and then Mm. you're talking about total surgery for sure Mm. so i had to do the conservative route but it was definitely a mind warp for sure to be like that low and then like five minutes later you know on his sonship break (laughs) he told me that like (laughs) you know i was good to go and i really was Uh i mean it felt a little weird for sure but it it wasn't a full tear Mm -hmm. i don't even think it was a partial tear so that was kind of weird. So, mm. yeah, that happened on Voodoo.
0: Yeah. Interesting.
2: Yeah. And then I went right back on Voodoo, by the way. Six <laughs> weeks off. And I was like, and it was like October. It was really wet. And I was like, I'm going to go try Voodoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I tried it for a couple days.
3: <laughs> How'd it go?
2: I actually went decent. Like, okay. I did all the moves. I actually got to a uh, decent high point, but the weather just turned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like, peace. Next okay.
0: Year. <laughs> so you've had an incredible year. You've been traveling. You've done like five 514s five in the last year, yeah,
2: including maybe. that
0: including that one. Yeah. And it's interesting that you credit, well, I mean, the eating cheese thing is just funny, but then oh. stopped training is something yeah. that you threw in there. Do you feel like you've gotten stronger or better just through rock climbing? Or do you think now you're like capitalizing on the training that you did do? How are you thinking about oh. that?
2: I definitely the, the former Interesting. Like, yeah. Because I didn't do that much training. Like I feel like okay. to capitalize on the training it would have to be like a year of just like but I don't I'm not a physio, I don't really know how okay. it
0: works. How long did you do it?
2: Chris's program was twelve weeks long. Okay. And I had like don't get me wrong, I definitely would like when I lived in Seattle, I mm-hmm. was going to the gym a lot and I was training for all intents and purposes. But I wasn't I didn't have like a plan. Like I didn't I didn't have like a coach telling me what to do. I would just kinda like Moonboard, okay, and then like do Max Hanks so okay. you know I did have a it's not like I never set foot in a gym and yeah I, yeah like I definitely would
0: and you were even fingerboarding.
2: yeah yeah I would Got definitely very often go to the gym and, okay so I guess probably longer if you add that in there but yeah so I you know I left so I stopped going to the gym at all August 2018 because that's when I hurt sorry 2019 because that's when I hurt my finger mm-hmm. and then I took six weeks off and I did a bunch of like working out like you know like like deadlifts and stuff during that time cuz I couldn't do anything else. Uh-huh. um I actually couldn't really even deadlift, but like I well, I guess I could have that whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um
0: probably shouldn't try to, if you're listening and you have a finger yeah, injury, do yeah, not try to Yeah, deadlift.
2: yeah, I mean it was good that to that time off for sure. It was yeah. just a different mindset. But um I had to go to Seattle. No, then I went to Yosemite, right? I Went to Yosemite and then I had to go to Seattle for like a week and I climbed in the gym event at that point mm-hmm. and then I didn't climb in the gym at all I just went to St. George lived there for the whole winter and then I was going to climb in the gym like the plan was to go I like thought that I thought I needed it I was like I'm gonna go train in the gym for voodoo there's no way I'm gonna be able to do the moves on voodoo unless I get some gym time that was hmm. like how I thought yeah but then the coronavirus happened uh-huh. And so there's no gyms right so i like kind of set up a little ring thing and a hangboard but i really didn't do it like uh-huh. i did like four at workouts and i show up on voodoo and yeah like i was way stronger than i was the year before uh-huh so i just think that i think that the vrg was actually kind of a good mm-hmm. trainer for that route. that
0: makes a lot of sense because
2: it's kind of the same angle kind of and the holds are small and that you know it's it's hard climbing
0: yeah and you spent most of the winter there yeah yeah, so most of the winter there. yeah
2: yeah so i think that that's uh i'm not saying training is bad i'm sure i can benefit from it but uh-huh. i was like i'm kind of less motivated to do it now you yeah. know what i'm saying uh-huh uh, because i did a lot of like of my hardest routes without any gym time at all yeah i'm not saying it's bad i should probably do more of it right but i was pretty like huh and i'm still kind of digesting it in okay a way. yeah
0: I'll be curious to keep talking to you as you move forward yeah, and
2: see I, what... I, I'm sure I could use some training, especially in like my big muscle groups and stuff. Hmm. But I think I just had... I think there's a point in every climber's career where they get to the point where they kind of maxed out what they can learn and how strong they can get on the rock mm-hmm. by itself. And here's the other thing is I didn't just like climb like dilly-dilly. I had a project like the whole... I was always trying hard and mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. Hmm. If I had just gone out and kind of done like...
0: La-di-da.
2: la da or like... Yeah, if I had gone out and not been focused on hard routes, I think the outcome would have been different. But I was focused on hard routes.
0: That's interesting, though, because I've seen... I feel like not everyone thrives off of that sort of approach, yeah. you know? Like, like I've seen a lot of climbers get too bogged down in yeah. heavy projecting, mm-hmm. and they don't ever do enough... They don't ever build enough of, like, a yeah. pyramid of experience to yeah, get like really Yeah, like Project Atrophy style. Yeah. Yeah. But you feel like you've gotten stronger through doing that?
2: Well... I feel like the reason that I got stronger without training was because I was constantly trying hard routes, but I did vary the routes though. Okay. You know what I mean? I did like get in a, quite the cycle at the VRG, mm-hmm. but the projects I had at the VRG were bookends and in the middle was a period of like fast ticks. Okay. You know, so I think I was able to kind of ward off the project atrophy, Yeah. but still be trying at my limit enough to apparently get stronger. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I definitely was like 100%. Like the first day on Voodoo, it was like, I used to think that route was my absolute limit. And now I'm like, that's not even close. You know what I mean? That's so cool. cool. That's so exciting. It was a cool feeling. That's cool. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting. You talked about how you love micro crimps, and, you know, we talked about Tabolt, and then Peace and now Voodoo, which is, Voodoo is steeper, but it's still not that steep.
2: Yeah. Voodoo is steeper. The crux, 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 yeah. There's it's not crimping, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. It, the crux, crux, crux is this very unique, <laughs> very unique boulder problem uh-huh. that's like underclings and really bad gastons mm. and slopers. Okay, yeah. So that was cool. Gotcha, yeah.
0: And I guess I bring that up because I don't want to paint the picture of you being a one dimensional climber because <laughs> you're not at all like you've also done like. Really hard routes at the Hurricane, and like, oh, you know, yeah. couldn't really be more different from.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's another thing. Yeah. Anti-style. Uh-huh. I think that helps too.
0: Yeah. Um, that's what I'm getting at.
2: Yeah. I mean, I definitely am better. I don't actually really like, you know, it's like, a bull and piece pure vert. Mm-hmm. I haven't done a pure vert route since peace, I don't think. Like, a really hard one.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: the VRG, everyone thinks it's vert, but it's actually not. I mean, like, all the hard climbing is at the bottom, mm-hmm. and the bottom is like 15. Degrees overhung or something. Mm -hmm. I think when you start doing really hard vert routes, it just gets really heinous Mm. for other reasons. You know, just really bad holds and Mm -hmm. really bad feet.
0: I don't even. I can't even think of what the step up from to bolt.
2: Oh, I mean, there's those routes in Europe, like that that one wall, the the nine A that. Babsy did. Jesus. There's that, uh, Andra one, the 15C slab thing. <laughs> yeah. That's my next project. Mike Doyle, are you listening? Cause you got to show what, up. <laughs> the one in acid The
0: 15 yeah, G- yeah, yeah, disbelief. Yeah. 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 Oh my God.
2: Yeah. I gotta have Mike Doyle for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Telling me how to do it.
0: <laughs> angelic glow.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I climbed the hurricane a little bit. I didn't climb, like, that hard. I mean, come on. Look <laughs> at the hurricane. Yeah. 13D? Yeah, yeah. I did that one route that everyone does. Everyone loves that route. Killer Bees. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I remember talking to Charlie Egan about it, your yeah. friend, because I was like, I didn't use a single knee bar, Charlie. <laughs> it's only 13D if you don't use it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but the thing was, I, I remember thinking like i think like a lot of my beliefs got totally thrown out the door for this whole season because i remember being like this is too steep like Uh for voodoo or whatever like i can't
0: like not relevant
2: yeah like not relevant Hmm. because when i was supposed to go train at the gym that was my plan before voodoo you know coronavirus happened so i didn't but me and my partner went to this really remote cave okay Mm -hmm. in nevada and i remember being like man, this is not going to help me because Hmm. it's too steep. The holds are too good Uh and it's just too steep. And I actually really think that it did help me because it's like, I'm naturally like my like natural skill is that to bolt kind of style. Okay. So that's there. I have that base. Like that's the kind of stuff that I can just sort of always have. Mm -hmm. In theory, (laughs) the steep stuff is hard for me like powerful movement quick movement like you know it's not just about like being brilliant it's about like being able to access power quickly Mm. right like if that's i don't know if that's the correct wording of it but that's what steep climbing has taught me how to do Mm -hmm. um and on voodoo the crux is not my style at all Mm. it's extremely powerful and you have to be both simultaneously like in control but also quick with your movements and I think that Mm. that, the steep climbing season I had taught me how to be powerful Hmm. and so when I combined like okay I'm I'm decent at crimping I'm decent at vertical climbing with that it just added up to a really nice training mix that I didn't intend
0: it added up to crushing voodoo
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I don't know if I crushed it. I definitely like beat it into <laughs> submission, but for sure. Yeah. Like it, it worked out. And I think that your anti-style is super important. Uh-huh. And now I do anyways. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause I mean, A, it's really fun. I like that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, cool. I do like that kind of, I would love to do harder routes yeah. like, on roofs and things like that. It's just fun. Yeah, like, vertical climbing is just not that much fun, really. Right. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's but it's not it type isn't. one anymore. Anyway. It's not type one, like Most of the time. like I'm never gonna go and repeat to bowl You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna be like, cool, let's do that again. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but like maybe I'll repeat killer V's. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, or, or some of these other routes. Like right before um, Voodoo, in this cave that we went to, I did what is definitely a fourteen A for me on that style. This is in Nevada. This is in Nevada. Yeah, I think like uh-huh. this remote cave, uh, kind of like a quote unquote secret, uh, whatever. Okay. Um but it was just a good place to go during the coronavirus because yeah. there was nobody there. But this route was steep, it wasn't like a hurricane, it wasn't a roof, but it was like it was steeper than voodoo for sure. Mm-hmm. And there were so many little tricky knee bars in there and like big burly moods, and the crux was like quite hard. It was like a hundred percent a fourteen A for me. Hmm. Um and I did it right before coming to Voodoo. You know, and so mm-hmm. that was a big confidence booster, too, because I was, like, sick. I did a 14-day on my anti-style. Sick, yeah. Like, yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, I think that that probably was a really good way to train, but, like, I didn't know Because I was stressed mm-hmm. about it. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to show up and get my ass handed to me. <laughs> like, you know, I, I remember my partner, he was like, okay, you just got to, like, be ready for, like, you know, the first week, you got to tune in. Yeah. Don't take it seriously. Hmm. And then my first day, I, like, crushed it. I was like hell yeah nice <laughs> and then i went on to not crush it for several weeks but whatever <laughs> it all worked out
0: yeah split tips and rain split and
2: tips and rain and just also like expectations and yeah things. um and access <laughs> access got all crazy you mm-hmm. know so but yeah it was it's a, such a good route and i hope that they figure out how to make it a more accessible cliff
3: mm-hmm. and too. i hope i can I help go in there.
2: that way yeah it's such a good such a good cliff it is yeah
0: it's so great i also want to ask you about Papa Legba.
2: <laughs> Reed will be psyched that you're talking about it. Yeah, so... You
0: told me the funniest story. So you got your uh scuba cert?
2: Yeah, I got my scuba cert yesterday. I'm all good. Go to about my that? Jamaica trip tomorrow. No. <laughs> yeah, so Papa Legba is a new route that Reed Johnson bolted up there last year. And so you do the start of Voodoo. Uh-huh. I think he also did this from the jump start. I don't think this is from the ground. Okay. In fact, I'm pretty certain of it. You do the 12D do the first crux of voodoo, the kind of crimpy crux, and then you get this quote-unquote rest. It's like such bullshit as a rest. It's like this spear mm-hmm. that you can only fit one hand in at the time. It's basically like a way to like mentally rest, okay, but not to actually rest. And instead of going left into the prominent crux of voodoo, which guards the chains, yeah. you go right.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And unfortunately, to get right, you have to like climb through basically like mud (laughs) like equinox is in washington (laughs) it's often wet you know but
0: this is like a permanent slime this is like a
2: permanent like yeah it's like a permanent it's this ledge just like i'm sure it's alive it's like alive. (laughs) (laughs) it's not like it's not like just water on rock there's like a there's something living in there like you know that i would disturb every time and the thing that's really kind of serendipitous about it is that like it's the holds are really good, mm. so you can climb through it. Mm-hmm. If they were bad, it would just be impossible. There's so no
0: avoiding the wet.
2: There's not really. I mean, so we put tinfoil on okay. some of the holds, you know. Uh huh. But for me, so my partner was working it too, and he's like six foot two or something. Mm-hmm. He was able to kind of like reach the holds and just sort of like move his feet on the very few holds that were wet. Mm. There were sorry that were dry. He would definitely get wet and stuff, but not nearly as much me either because i don't know how to rock climb or let's just say it's because i'm short whichever one i would like get the holds and there was like the holds that he used and the feet that he used and if it were dry it'd be no it'd be like five ten whatever i mean it is it's easy it's like the holds are big yeah but to move between one hold to the other i had to lock off i couldn't just reach it you know so i would lock off (laughs) And then I would just drag my body because <laughs> you're walking off. You're not trying to go away from the wall. You know, you're trying to go <laughs> into the wall. So I just drag my body like through the slime, and then like I would just have it all over my sports bra, my tights, and just like, yeah, it was. And then I would get to the breast and like hurly try to brush brush the stuff off my foot. And I did get better at it like as as time went Shoe on. beta. Yeah, just like avoiding like Mm. like basically i was like okay you don't really need to lock off like that hard Mm -hmm. like these holds are big and (laughs) half of that battle that route was like figuring out that sequence but then it's like a really like it's a good route Mm. like go read for bolting it sweet it's like a cool boulder after that and it's like on dry rock yeah on dry rock on the right
0: side of the slime
2: yeah yeah so it's well it's actually on the left side technically okay it kind of goes like kind of goes straight then right then left okay but it's it's cool and like if you want to do the start of voodoo, but you you're turned off by the crux, and you like scuba diving, <laughs> it's a good route. Um, but yeah, I managed to do that yesterday. Awesome. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing.
0: I just saw that today. I was like, hell yeah, she did it. The
2: slime route. The slime it's, route. It's a good route. Like people should go and do it. You know. <laughs> like it's a good. It needs more sets because I didn't know. I was conf- like, it was hard for me to create it because. I had the bottom so damn wired oh, okay from voodoo, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. Fourteen A maybe?
2: Yeah. So Reed gave it fourteen A and then Tom did it and Tom's really good at climbing and it didn't he didn't like send it immediately. Mm. So it was obviously hard. Mm-hmm. And and the way that I did the top, yeah. I mean like, it's harder than a thirteen knees there, let's put it that mm. way. But it's not as hard as voodoo.
0: Cool.
3: Yeah.
2: All
0: Grades.
3: Right. <laughs> Grades. Yeah.
0: I would love to ask you about the foot story. <laughs> So it's really interesting to hear about this experience you had with your finger, and I think every climber can relate to that. This injury, though, was really fascinating to hear about when we talked on the phone. And it sounds horrible. It's something I can't (laughs) really relate to. So, yeah, yeah, I I was fascinated by that. So I'd love to hear um, what happened Mm. in 2013 with your foot.
2: Yeah, so this has actually happened right before I was going to go to Spain.
0: Okay. Yeah, for so for your travel for abroad, my for my study abroad. abroad.
2: Yes, yeah, so I was like this is 2013 July. Okay. I'm 21. I'm like healthy and happy and whatever, you know, like yeah. I'm perfectly fine. Um
0: off to meet all the cute Spanish
2: boys. Oh uh, Yeah, you really like this theme. <laughs> yeah, off to meet Pablo. I'm, for- I'm trying to force And Javier. It. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I Antonio. mean, I mean, Antonio. come on, yeah, there was a little bit, I mean, come on, I was single and growing his family, like, let's be realistic, for sure. But anyways, um, I was just excited, you know, I was uh-huh. just like, you could probably tell I'm kind of loquacious and I talk a lot, and I'm social and whatever, so I was That's like. That's why you're here. Yeah. No. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that my climbing is <laughs> impressive enough. What did you say it was? I was too, Im- no, too interesting. Right. When we were talking, yeah. you're like,
0: I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't think I'm interesting. And I'm like, I literally don't think we're going to get to half of the stuff. I'm going to put that you're in You're actually resume. too interesting. Yeah, that's going a new business And card. that's the problem here yeah, is that you're too, too interesting.
2: interesting. Just like that guy. Who's was that? What's that beer ad?
0: Mm, the most interesting yeah. man in the world. Dosakis.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm looking for a job, so... <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, 2013, I guess I'm just saying that I'm explaining that I was like very, um, looking forward to my Spain trip Mm -hmm. and it's July and I used to be a really big runner, like an Mm -hmm. avid runner. I still run like every rest day generally I run, but I'm talking like running, like you know, 50 miles 60, a week. Yeah. 60 yeah, miles like a week. Big runner. And I was
0: reading on your blog. You used to run, or maybe still run when yeah. you're stressed, right?
1: Like oh yeah, a for sure. For that's you? huge for me.
2: Yeah. I 100% need it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, most of my hardest routes I had ran the day before. Like, okay, yeah, running is just integral for my, more for my mental happiness. I don't think, my calves are unfortunately gigantic, so <laughs> I would, I <laughs> would, If you don't need to do it as a rock climber, like, don't. (laughs) But it's actually one I visualize the most, too. But that's a side note. Running is is great. And um, a year before that, I was, like, really into running, and I hurt my knee. It wasn't, like, a tear or anything. It was just this kind of, like, runner's knee thing. So that's the only thing I had going on at that time. I was still trying to figure out what that was. And I had actually resigned myself at that point to, like, I was like, okay, I can't run anymore because this knee thing is just not getting better. And so I was like, well, I got this Spanish trip, like Spain trip to look forward to. And because I wasn't running so much, I started climbing more. Mm. Right. But one day I wake up and my feet felt weird. Like, that's the only thing I, I can really say is I woke up one day and my feet felt weird. Wow. They just felt bizarre. Like, Both it started of off as, yeah, so it started off my right. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just this like, increased perception of the bottom of my foot is how it started. It's like, oh, I kind of like noticed the bottom of my feet <laughs> and then in the span of like eight hours. I went from that to like devastatingly painful. Like I can't stand up for 30 seconds without Whoa. just like needing to sit down. So it was kind of sudden and swift. And I mean, it started in my right foot and then I don't know, a few days later it went to my left. Hmm. And so here I am like just accepted this knee injury thing, really psyched to go to Spain. And then that happened. I mentioned the knee story because I was like, okay, I understand injuries. Like, I'm going to rest and I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But I was a little confused like I hadn't been running. So I was like, where is this coming from? But I was trying to be positive. Anyways, long story short, I didn't do anything. I sat on my ass for, like, a month. And that's pretty hard for me, uh, mm-hmm. for everyone. But I just, it's really difficult. I would go swimming. I, like, taught myself how to actually swim.
0: What, did you go to the doctor
2: right away? So, yeah, I did. Uh, so first I was like, I'm going to rest. Uh-huh. Like, And I I went and saw podiatrists, Mm -hmm. you know, feed doctor, And every single one of them, like the first month, it was all podiatrists. And they were like, you got plantar fasciitis. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like the bottoms of your feet. It's a common running injury where the bottoms of your feet, like the fascia that connects the heel to the arch or something just gets inflamed and okay. it hurts on the bottom of your feet and i was like yeah it doesn't really seem like i have plantar fasciitis because the symptoms of plantar fasciitis don't match up with my symptoms mm. like there's very specific plantar fasciitis symptoms like you push on the heel and it hurts that wasn't the thing with me it hurts more when you wake up for me it was it hurted more the longer i stood on my feet. basically like it didn't make sense but mm. i showed up i'm healthy i'm a former runner i'm 21 fresh ice, here's some orthotics. Mm. And I was just like, this is, I, I knew it was wrong, but what am I going to do? Like that's what they told me, you know, mm-hmm. nothing changed. Absolutely nothing changed. Like total rest didn't do anything. And so I postpone my Spain trip. I take the quarter off from school and I like live with my parents and my life becomes figuring out what's wrong with me you know yeah and so it goes from podiatrist to every flavor of doctor you ever could imagine neuro because so burning sensations like huh. maybe it's a nerve thing some doctors thought so i saw like a ton of neurologists i saw rheumatologists one of them took me off gluten you know like i was mm-hmm. eating all kinds of different stuff i was on web or whatever forum like you know 10 hours of the day nothing did anything for like three or four months oh
1: my and i'm gosh. talking about
2: like debilitating to the point like you can't, like, wash the dishes, you know? You can't take your dog for a walk around the block. Like, I cut off contact from all my friends. Like, it was just dark. And hmm. I began to think, like, you know, is this is my life now. Like, you know? And I um, I also saw a bunch of, like, Eastern medicine, like, so much acupuncture, hmm. like, massage. I even... <laughs> I saw this healer okay. that my dad somehow found, like, through word of mouth or something. And that was, that was when I really kind of, like... I don't not believe in, you know, I'm sure there's some people who have, like, a perceptive sense of the human body and how to heal it and things. Mm -hmm. But this guy, I walk into his office and, like, I lay down and he hovers his hands above me for, like, four minutes. And Mm -hmm. then he's like, okay, you're good. You're good to go. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, really? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, like, just walk around some grass with your shoes off and then tomorrow you can go for a run. And so I'm like, hmm, like... Part of me is like, well, this is obviously not true. Another part of me, because I was, like, so devastated, was like, hell yeah, like, this is, it's finally <laughs> over, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, Needless to say, it did nothing. And then I called him the next day because he told me to, to call him. And he was like, oh, I didn't even talk to him. I talked to his receptionist. And the receptionist was like, okay, let me talk to him. You know, some nice music. And then she comes back and she's like okay, he's going to do some remote healing on you now. So, like, you're not going to feel it. He's just going to do it. Just relax. And I just hung up. Like, <laughs> And at that point, I, I remember being really upset because he seemed like he was making light of, like,
3: uh, what was going on. Yeah. Me, you know
2: what I mean? Like, I felt I was, like, super depressed. And I mean, I just didn't... I couldn't live life in any kind of normal way. Um, and it wasn't so much, like, the pain. The pain was there. It was not knowing what cause the pain
1: mm-hmm.
2: like when I hurt my finger or hurt my knee or I've broken my wrist before it's like okay incident something happened
1: mm-hmm.
2: or you obviously overtrained or whatever and then because you know the origin you can see a light mm. when you don't know what's happening and if anything you are resting more at that period of your life it's really hard to see the light at the end of the mm. tunnel especially when you're like in your 500th doctor appointment and I'm, I'm not even exaggerating I mean there's a lot of doctor's appointments so yeah that went on for like four or five months of that and I was like very depressed. Never been so depressed in my life because I thought everything was just. I didn't. I was like, you know, there's one part I thought I was losing running and climbing and all that stuff, and then I was like, well, I'm losing everything, like my entire lifestyle. Like I can't even like go dancing, you know, or like do anything normal at mm-hmm. all. Go for a walk, whatever. Yeah, and then I saw a doctor who fixed it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Yeah.
2: Out of nowhere. I can't yeah, I don't
0: imagine know. what that must have felt like.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, I don't know how deep you want me to go here because it's a long story. But uh, I saw a podiatrist. Mm-hmm. Basically, I like word of mouth found another podiatrist who was actually like the like the USA Track and Field podiatrist. I later found out that he's just like the guy to see, and he happened to be my parents' like because I stole my parents' insurance. And by the way, side note, like I never want to not have health insurance again. Mm. It's really important. I couldn't have done any of this. Mm. Like my story would be a lot different if I couldn't have seen doctors for like the. If I had to pay for all those visits, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But, anyways, I saw this guy, and I mean, he was like the best podiatrist ever, uh, apparently, in the country. And he, first, he's like, okay, we're gonna test you for Cause there's a test, and every other podiatrist told me like there's no test. Mm. And I was like, okay, and test came out negative, and wow, you know, which is <laughs> like, cool I kind of knew that already, like yeah. obviously. And at that point, I had, I had gone to so many tests that I was like just praying for a, like an abnormal result. I was like, yeah, let's find something wrong with me, and it was all just like normal, normal, healthy, healthy, healthy. And basically, there was one day he's like, okay, I'm gonna give you an MRI and i was like yeah finally cuz i always wanted an mri but no one wanted to give it to me they were like it doesn't make sense like hmm. i'm not a doctor so but apparently like my symptoms were not like something that you would see on mri hmm. but this guy was like i'm going to give you an mri and this was like my hope i was like oh finally like i'm getting an mri he's going to find something we're going to like and also in my head was like the way out i was like or sorry the last the last test i was hmm. like if this is normal i don't know there's nothing else you know I remember driving to the doctors and driving really hurt, like pushing on the gas pedal and Mm -hmm. brake and everything just was no good. But I I remember my parents wanted to drive me and I was like, no, I got to be alone. (laughs) You know, when I hear this normal test result. (laughs) So I drove there and I walk in there and it was the evening time. I remember because I like waited the whole day and he just looks at me. He's like, yeah, your MRI is totally normal. And so then my heart just like broke, Mm. you know, and I'm just like, and this guy's a really good doctor, but his bedside manner was, like, absolutely atrocious. Kind of like <laughs> Dr. House. Have you ever seen that show? Of <laughs> <If> anyone else? <laughs> good, like, yeah. He's, like, the Dr. House of the foot world. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was just, like, about to just, like, fall, like, on my knees. Like, I just felt like he, like, you know, shot me in the chest or something. Oh, my gosh. And he was like, there is one more test. I mean, this is exactly how it played out. This yeah. is, like, a movie. And he's like, it's a little invasive, though. I don't know if you really want to deal with it right now. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, let's do it. Like, Because that was a thing. It was like test, two weeks, Mm. result, new doctor, test, two weeks, result, new doctor. It was just this like horrible cycle. Normal, 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 Yeah. And it was just like too long. They would never do simultaneous tests Mm. because it's like money, you know, it's all Mm. money. And this test, it was very invasive. It was this giant needle that he shoved into my foot and it had a pressure gauge on it. Wow. And so the idea is that each of your muscles is surrounded by fascia, right? Mm -hmm. So each of them is in their own little compartment. Hmm. And he was measuring the compartment in my foot,
1: hmm.
2: uh, the pressure in my compartment in my foot. And okay. so he shoves this thing in there and I'm like, oh, that was painful. And apparently just like the pressure was way too high. Wow. Like he okay. was like, okay, huh, this is a good, bad sign, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh-huh. Um,
0: We've got something You've
2: got something abnormal. And so he's like, okay, I want you to walk around and like, I want you to walk around and get the, like instigate the pain. And then we're going to take the test again. So I like ran around. I was like sprinting down the hole. I wanted it to be done, you know? And then, you know, he lays me down. I do this, does the same thing. And the pressure is apparently like way too high. Like I think he said quadruple what it should be.
0: Oh my gosh. And so
2: he figured it out and he's like, okay, I figured it out. You have compartment syndrome. Hmm. And I was like, I had no idea what that meant. Like Mm -hmm. that mean I'm screwed for the rest of my life. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to get my feet amputated or something. Does that mean <laughs> an easy resolution? I had no idea what that was. I, it, my, I mean, many hours of research. I had never come up with that. No other doctor even mentioned it. But I was so happy for like a minute because I was like, a name, a word, a we label. We know what's wrong with me. You know what me. I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 Totally. And it turned out um, that it was actually quite, it's a really rare condition. Like huh. apparently it happens a lot if you get in a car accident. And okay. Like say you get, a, or any traumatic event, your muscles start swelling up really, really fast. Too fast for your fascia to also expand with them. Mm. Because when you work out and stuff, your muscles also swell up, but the fascia expands at the same time. Mm. If you get in a car accident, it's just too fast and the fascia can't do it and they swell up too much, and then blood can't enter because the pressure in the compartment is too high. Mm. It can't get in to feed the muscles, and the muscles die. Mm. So that happened to me, but there was no event. It just happened. Mm. And it happens. Apparently, he told me, you know, he sees, remember him saying he sees, like, 1,200 people a year, and it happens, like, like once every five years he'll see somebody. So wow. that, that rate is super low, and they don't really know why it happens. It mm. happens to soccer players in their shins. It's just really rare on the feet. So yeah, that was crazy Um,
0: You had to have surgery?
2: So yeah, then I was like, okay, what does this mean? He's like, it's actually a really easy fix I just do the same cut I do in every single one of my more complex foot surgeries But instead of doing anything, I just remove the dead muscle And I relieve the pressure And I sew you back up and you're good to go And it shouldn't come back huh yeah
0: how much muscle was removed or how yeah much apparently
2: was... a lot wow I, I, my friend i remember my friend liz she's like you should have kept it
0: like, oh God. <laughs> in a jar <laughs> yeah i don't think that's
2: even, i don't even know like he told me uh this can also go a business card along with i'm too interesting or whatever was that <laughs> he had never seen so much muscle mass in a foot before <laughs> and that was <laughs> cool. hercules feet uh-huh. uh yeah so he took out a bunch of muscle apparently and relieved the pressure but I had you have to,
0: very normal... You're sitting here with your shoes off. You have very normal-looking feet.
2: You can you see my scar? There's I my can. Scar. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah.
0: How does that work? Does, like... Did muscle grow back
2: there? Dude, I don't even know. Okay. I mean, I guess it wasn't enough muscle mass to, like, make a visible difference, obviously. Okay. But, um... He just said there was a ton of muscle and that the fascia didn't expand with it. Mm. And that's a good question. I never thought about that. Like, mm. is there now just, like, hole in my... Doesn't look like it. Yeah, I mean... I feel pretty fine in my feet strength. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You're just
0: normal now. Yeah. You had super feet and now you have normal feet again. Yeah,
2: well, super feet to the point of no feet, basically. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, the thing was, so I had surgery, both feet, and I had to be in a wheelchair for a while because I couldn't stand on the feet. And I did both feet at the same time so I could make it to Spain. Mm. Because this happened at the end of November and I was supposed to leave in January. Oh, wow. And so I was like, you got to do it both at the same time. Did your like,
0: climbing shoe size change after that?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. I don't think I even knew, like, paid that much. I didn't pay attention uh-huh. to it. Yeah, probably yeah. not. I don't think it would have. My feet seem to be the same size. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think all these changes that did not, like, they're locally big, but they're mm-hmm. not manifesting at, like, a visual level. Got it. Um, But, yeah, but my knee thing... You know, I had that knee injury, it completely went away. It Whoa. had hurt through the whole time. Like while I was, while I was still dealing with the feet, I was not doing anything but swimming and my, my knees still hurt. Hmm. But then as soon as I was fixed, it like that went away too. Hmm. It was really weird. Maybe
0: like a compensation thing.
2: Yeah. Like, so maybe the knee thing was actually a foot
0: a thing. A foot
2: thing. Wow. It was really weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's all connected, man.
2: Yeah, he told me, he was like, you know, if we didn't find this, you would either have to have your feet amputated, because it would get not get enough, your feet would die. Like, you, it eventually would spread, and like you wouldn't have any blood to any of your... You'd have to get your feet amputated if it got really bad, or you'd have chronic permanent nerve damage, even if we did the surgery, like, two months later, because at a certain point, you just damage your nerves.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, that was kind of jarring. Mm-hmm. But also, like, yeah, and that's why I say, like, if I didn't have healthcare... I have no idea what my life would look like right now. No idea. Hmm. And so I think it's just like an atrocity that there's so many people without health care. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just sad.
0: So I'm curious. I feel pretty pathetic in my experience with injuries. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I, when I got my first real finger injury, I was like, oh, what a great opportunity. I talked about this with Will Stanhope actually. Like, what a great yeah. opportunity to do all these things that I never yeah. do, right? Like, I'm forced to be away from climbing. I always kind of had this bucket list in the back of my mind because I mm-hmm. knew it was going to happen someday mm-hmm. where there was a high yeah, probability. Yeah, right, right. And then I was so pathetic when it actually yeah. finally happened. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to do any yeah. of those things. I still just want to yeah, rock climb. Totally. Were you able to fill that space during that time when you were stuck and, and yeah. couldn't even go walk your dog or yeah,
2: any so, of these
0: things you wanted to do?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really challenging at first. I was like straight up every classic symptom of depression was like I slept so much I slept mm. for so many hours a day and at first like basically all my free time was spent like on Google like WebMD M oh, D forming, man. trying to figure out what was going on and you know going to doctor appointments and things like that I did take up swimming um, mm-hmm. which I had taken up while with my knee and I would go to the pool and I would swim for so freaking long mm. so there was swimming because I didn't hurt But then that was, like, the first couple months. And then, like, by, like, month three, my hope was beginning to wither that I would ever be normal again. I just started to, like, try to reengage a little bit with society in some ways. I actually started climbing again. And -hmm. I would do yoga. So I, I stopped climbing. I stopped doing anything because I was, like, convinced that it was hurting but at a certain point i was like well it still hurts and i'm not doing anything so why wouldn't i just do stuff and just hmm. deal with the pain so i started climbing again in the gym like planet granite sunnyvale
0: how was that with your foot in the so
2: shoe? so the thing was that was the worst was belaying because i was just standing there and belay climbing was kind of okay because i wasn't really putting that much pressure on interesting yeah blank sucked hmm. <laughs> so i was probably like a really impatient partner maybe really. <laughs> um <laughs> and can you glide faster yeah yeah exactly and uh, I, I like started doing yoga again and like modifying it to like so i wouldn't do like too much downward facing dog mm-hmm. um and at that point, I had cut off a lot of my friends. Like, I, I went off all the social media. I was like, I can't see this mm. right now. Like I can't see lives moving forward in any kind of normal way. It's mm. just too painful. So I went off Facebook, and I think that was the only one I had was Facebook. But I, I turned it off, and I didn't really like, engage with any of my friends. And then I started engaging with people at the climbing gym, and I started, like, dating again, actually. And that was nice. Like, mm-hmm. that, like, helped a lot. So I guess it's kind of depressing now that i think about it because i just like accepted it i was like this is life Mm -hmm. and there was many dark moments but i was like well if doing nothing is not helping you might as well start doing something Mm -hmm. because like apparently this is just new this is just now you Mm -hmm. and so this is going to be in your life for the rest of your life and just deal with the pain because the pain itself i mean it was bad but it i could deal with it Mm -hmm. it was more the fear that i was making it worse got it you know what i'm saying yeah yeah So, yeah, just those kinds of things. But it was different than my finger injury, you know? Because my finger injury, I was also pretty pathetic because I was, like, so into rock climbing at that point. Oh, You know what I mean? I was, like, I remember when I had the finger injury, I'm, like, dude, this is nothing compared to my feet. Uh I remember thinking that. I was, like, this is, like, cake compared to that, you know, what happened to your feet. You know what's happening. You got a good doctor. You got all the images done. There's a diagnosis. And yet it was still so hard. Wow. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that means, like, I'm weak or that the injury process is just really difficult <laughs> or both, you know, uh-huh. maybe both. But I remember like always using the foot or story. Just sh-
0: it, I think just shows how much you care.
2: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for everyone. Injuries are the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they really do teach you stuff, but like, for example, the foot story, I would never put that on anybody. Like not my worst enemy. I would never like make them go through that. Not that I have any enemies, but like in theory, if I had an enemy, <laughs> I would never be like, I want this to happen to you mm-hmm. because it was so hard because I didn't know what was going on. But, you know, I think it taught me actual gratitude in a way that you're never going to learn unless you lose something Wow, that is like something you take for granted.
0: That's really significant. Cause, you know, you
2: could say like, I'm grateful for, you know, my health. But yeah. if you haven't had your health taken away, you don't you you know you don't really know what you're talking about. In hmm. my opinion, and that's how I felt. You know. Um,
0: Has that stayed with you?
2: You know I. I can call it like yeah yeah like, you know, but I am a little like like you know when I was trying voodoo or whatever, and I would get frustrated on some bad go or whatever. I should look. You know, I think. Oh, at least I got to the crag today. <laughs> you know, at least I was able to jump off this rock. <laughs> but. I think it's safe with me because whenever I think about it, I do feel this like intense feeling of just like you're so vulnerable. You don't even know it. Hmm. Um, And I think it really shaped some of my decisions that I made, like my life decisions, you know, like the fact that I like now live in a van and I'm like prioritizing certain things in my life because I'm like, this could end. Like there's no safety net, man. Like, you know, you could like save all your money and, you know, do all these things and like have this perfect life planned out. And then boom, you can wake up one day and your feet feel weird. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You know, <laughs> putting all that on a bumper sticker,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. that's great, yeah. And so, I think it really did shape a lot of the decisions I made later. And hmm. it, like, my Spain trip was like so much freaking fun because you know, like, mm. I was just like,
0: <laughs> hell yeah, I was
2: so like, it was like medicine to me, like, I
0: can walk.
2: Dude, I can walk and go out. I can, like,
0: Cute boys party. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> I'm dating it. again.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: I'm probably annoying all the listeners. Yeah, they're, no, They're no. turning it off now.
2: Um, Yeah, it was a very formative experience that I would never give to anybody because it was really painful, but that totally changed me, 100%, and made hmm. me, like, it changed some of the priorities I have in my life, for sure. Hmm. Yeah. And gave me a huge, just, health care. Health mm. care, health care, health care. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, there's a lot of people, and I totally did it myself at one point. You're just like, screw health I don't need it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I really don't want to go without it, like, ever again. Mm. Um, I just think it's too important. And I think it's a shame. I mean, it's a total shame that we even had to think about it in this country. But that's a total side note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's so important. Um, yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah, of course. I'd love to dig into one more topic. Just, it was really interesting to read about and talk to you about, and I think... If we just touch on it maybe quickly, um, mm-hmm. it, it's something that could really help people. So I want to talk about it with you. But you had a really interesting experience with Red S. Mm-hmm. Am I getting that right? Red yeah, S? Yeah, Red S. What yeah. does that stand for?
2: Relative energy deficiency in the sport.
0: Okay. Yeah. Got you. And it was formerly known as Female Athlete
2: Triad. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. And you wrote a great article about it, and I'll mm-hmm. link to that in the show notes if people want to really read your whole story about it. Yeah. What is it? Can you give me a
2: right yeah. quick
0: rundown on that?
2: So basically, it, so for women, it was called a female athlete triad at first because it was thought to only happen to women, and they changed it to Red S to incorporate men as well. Okay. But since I'm a woman, I'll give you the, the female, but the, how it happened for me. Yeah. So basically, it's called a triad or was called a triad because it's comprised of three different things. So it's three processes that are interrelated. So under-fueling, either intentionally or unintentionally. In my case, it was completely unintentional. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to, like, eat less or whatever. Combined with excessive training, mm. again, like, not really intentional in my case. I just have always been moving around and stuff. Like, I'd never... It's hard to say in hindsight. Maybe I was, like, overtraining, but I was just, like, doing my thing, running and climbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So those two things can lead to like hormone dysfunction, mm-hmm. which, in you know, a woman basically manifests itself in a lost period. Right. And so those three things for women, for men it's different, but for women, because estrogen is so important to bone formation, it could lead to a reduction in bone density. Okay. And that's what happened to me. Got you. Um,
0: so you wrote a really interesting article and you mentioned Mina.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mina Leslie Wiasik. And she wrote a really interesting piece on it as well. And it sounds like it kind of manifests or presents in like these two different symptoms. And you mm-hmm. guys had very opposite experiences. Yeah.
2: yeah. So a lot of people get really tired, right? Okay. I never was tired. Interesting. Like, I mean, I'm sure I was tired. I've never been tired in my entire life. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Um, I just don't, I just didn't recognize like a sudden decrease in energy or anything uh-huh. like that. But we both lost our period. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, you we were both on birth control. Oh, okay. So, like, a lot of different birth controls, like the pill, the IUD, they mask your period. And that's kind of awesome in some ways because you don't have to deal with it. But basically, it's the symptom that I had, the biggest symptom. Like, Mina had the energy loss and loss of period. I kind of just had the loss of period, but me and Mina both didn't know for years because we've been on the pill. Mm. And when you're on the pill, it's just not, you don't have it. Mm-hmm. So it was like the only thing in my head was completely masked. And mm-hmm. so it went on for years without me even noticing. Mm. So, yeah, it was the way that I found out was because oh, I forget like why I remember. Okay. <laughs> it's in the article. <laughs> you uh-huh. know. I went to see it like a, my gynecologist about getting an IUD. I mm. wanted to switch from the pill to the IUD. Mm-hmm. and so she took like a basic history she's like when did you have your last period and i was like i don't know like five years ago or something mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was like i'm like oh but it's all good i'm on the pill
0: uh-huh.
1: you know I'm like
2: don't worry about it
0: <laughs> she's like what she's
2: like she was yeah she was like yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> and Like, we're gonna give you a bone density scan just in case and okay I was like all right cool so i take the bone density and dexa scan so uh-huh. a lot of people do it for body composition right but originally it's done to measure bone density. that's what it was yeah built for osteoporosis for. yeah for osteoporosis so i take the scan that was like cool check this box i get the idea, you know what i mean and then freaking the results were bad man huh. the results were bad it was like i was thinking it would be totally normal right but it was like oh you have like osteopenia like you have significant bone loss on like your entire body wow yeah and I was like, whoa. It was really scary to read those numbers. Because basically it was like, oh, like basically, like I felt fine. But my body was like completely not fine. Mm. <laughs> you know? Um, and I think Mina avoided that, which is great. Okay. Like she didn't she have- caught
0: it she, earlier? Or...
3: I
2: think it just meant, it's uh, just different for different people. Okay. I mean, it, me and Mina, like I met Mina mm-hmm. once and- we look different, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. like, we had the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that, like, Mina, she just looks like a perfectly healthy woman, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. Like I
2: look a little different. I mean, I'm not, like, unhealthy looking, but I tend to put on muscle. Like, mm-hmm. it just, my, I mean, I just had that, told you the whole story about how to get muscle removed from my yeah. foot. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I just found it interesting that we both had it because it ha- can happen to anybody. It can happen to overweight people. It can happen to underweight people. It's just that... if your hormones get because it's not like you're under fueling to the point where maybe you're losing weight my weight was pretty stable Hmm. it's like you're under fueling to the point where physiological processes are not being promoted Mm. like your body is like i don't have enough energy to do this Mm -hmm. um so yeah i I had that bone density scan and then yeah
0: they basically told you to gain 15 pounds right away right
2: (laughs) so actually that was before this um
0: you had a funny way of measuring how yeah. much weight you needed to yeah, gain.
2: Yeah, yeah. So before this whole thing, I wrote <laughs> that in the article because to impress that like I've always been thin. Uh-huh. It's just how I am. I used to, I mean, I eat a lot. Like I really do actually. Uh-huh. Like I, I've been make, made fun of my whole life because of how much food I can ingest and uh-huh. still be like pretty thin. And,
0: and muscular. Yeah. You look, you look lean and muscular.
2: Yeah, I used to not be so muscular because I was just kind of like, I wasn't really climbing. Okay. Um, My legs certainly were, but... Um, I was just lean, and I went to a doctor's once. I, I don't remember what it was about, and she's just like, "You need to gain fifteen pounds." Like, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, thanks, lady. Like, that's cool." <laughs> and oh, I went to a doctor. I went to the appointment to do a physical for a job. I I was doing a vegetation survey job in in Tuolumne. Okay, and it's like a physical job, and they make you do a physical. And so then I was like, okay, sounds like I need to gain the weight of a house cat. <laughs> like That's what I asked her. I was like mm-hmm. trying to like lighten the mood. And so then we <laughs> would be like, get fat, gain a cat.
0: <laughs> get fat, yeah. gain a cat. Yeah.
2: And so I did gain those 50 pounds actually. Like I made an effort to, Wow. I don't remember why, but maybe I agreed with her. I don't know. Uh-huh. But, so actually my weight was perfectly normal, like within the normal BMI range. BMI is mm-hmm. Bullshit, mm. by the way. So they didn't tell me to gain more weight. They told me to eat more, mm. which I know it sounds like you should then gain weight, but actually I didn't really gain much weight. Wow. Yeah. I just ate more. Okay. Yeah. And I went off birth control for a little bit so I could like monitor it. Uh-huh. Period came back. Uh-huh. And they're like, you're good to go.
0: Were mm. you like having to eat to a point that was uncomfortable? Like were you having to like make yourself mm-hmm.
2: eat? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't or like I was naturally
0: like... like not that hungry or-
2: No, I'm actually pretty hungry. Yeah. It wasn't like I would, like, gorge myself. You know, I would just eat. I would just, like, make sure I ate, like, once every two or three hours. I would eat something. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't count calories or do anything like that. And I would have, like, weird shakes. (laughs) Okay. Like, protein shakes or whatever. And, yeah, I mean, it felt weird because I'm like, I'm not hungry. Mm -hmm. And the common trope is, don't eat unless you're hungry. Right. But I did.
0: Yeah, (laughs) unless you're you and you have to.
2: Yeah. And the the thing that's weird about it is that, like, I have no idea. Like I got a rescan a year later, and the numbers improved. And they're like, "You're mm. gonna be fine. Like you caught it early enough. That's gonna be okay. And you're okay. young enough." And that's the other thing. Go healthcare. <laughs> Cause like, yeah. If I had caught it when my was, you know, I'm twenty nine right now. So if and I think it was twenty seven or something when I first found out about it. If I caught it later, I don't like you stop putting bone down at a mm. certain age, hmm. and it would have been a lot. Like they would have been like, "You're probably gonna get osteoporosis later." Wow. So I'm happy that that didn't happen.
0: Anything nutritionally that you've done differently?
2: <laughs> yeah, I totally changed my diet. 100%. Oh, wow. Okay. I, it was kind of related, but not really. So I was oh, a vegan for seven years. Okay. Um,
0: I remember that in the article because you were curious if that had led into it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was curious. I mean, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I was a vegan for seven years, and it's just impossible for me to know when it started because I was mm-hmm. on birth control for like, like my entire for a long time (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was a vegan for seven years and when they told me that you know I went and saw a nutritionist like she referred me to a nutritionist and Mm -hmm. she was like you can be a vegan like it's possible Mm -hmm. to be like that's no big deal just make sure you eat all this stuff and at first I did stick to my vegan diet but then I eventually just started uh, for various reasons I started eating meat occasionally which turned into frequently Mm -hmm. which turned into cheese Okay. Hence the text. Uh huh. <laughs> and I changed my diet 100%. And the weird thing is, like, that I really don't feel any like, different.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> I really question. don't feel
2: different at all. Yeah. I, I didn't really feel all that different when I started the vegan diet.
0: Interesting. Like, I
2: think that diet can influence people. Like, you know, some people are really, really influenced by it. Absolutely. I really don't feel like, as long as I don't eat, like, donuts and stuff, you know, I, I kind of, like, make sure I don't eat, like, total junk. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't think it it factors that much for me. Apparently, like, I really don't feel all the different. Huh? Yeah. Okay. But I also had like a specific craving, like none other, for cheese at one point. Whoa! That I've never had before in my life. You know, at one point I was like, "Am I pregnant?" Because <laughs> 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 it was so. Because I could really
0: go for a block of cheese. Yeah, right it now.
2: was such a strong craving. <laughs> wow. Uh,
0: a specific type of cheese? Y-
2: yeah, it's actually an embarrassing story. Tell it. I wrote an article about this one too. Oh man, I'll so link it. So it. it was during my six week period of no climbing when I hurt my finger. Okay. And I was in South Lake Tahoe, by myself, and it was like snowing, and I was just like, <laughs> I hate this place, like, because the gym was like not that great, and I just was like not in a good mood. And I walked into the grocery store one day, and I didn't even need anything. I was just trying to kill time. It was like cold, my heater was broken, whatever. And I really had the most specific curry I ever had for cottage cheese. Cottage cheese? Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. It's like the like no one likes cottage cheese. I'm into it. Oh great. Okay. Well, not many people I don't eat it plain. Yeah, yeah. Not many people. I actually haven't
0: had it in a long time.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Not many people like cottage cheese. It's kinda like, okay, you're vegan for seven years, and the first thing you're gonna eat is freaking cottage (laughs) cheese. (laughs) That is pretty funny. That's it's like not a juicy burger. But like I needed it, and like I somehow my body just knew where the cottage cheese aisle was. (laughs) And I, like, found myself there, and before I could think, I, like, bought a tub and <laughs> went to my van and ate it, the whole thing, by just myself, plain, straight out straight. and I was like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire wow. life. Wow! Yeah. That is so fascinating. So, something in me needed that cheese. Right. And- Did it just happen once? Well, when it happened, then I just, all oh, the floodgates opened. I just started eating everything. Oh, okay. You know, like, all the cheeses. I it felt like, I felt like, actually, it was so exciting, because I was like- Rediscovering cheese Yeah I was like What does like Monterey Jack Taste like (laughs) So every time I would like try a new cheese (laughs) Like Parmesan (laughs) Cheddar Sharp cheddar
0: Oh sharp cheddar Is my favorite
2: Yeah it's turned into My favorite Sharp or sharp Feta I was like Mm. Feta I think I like feta Mm -hmm. You know And the thing was I stopped eating cheese Because I have like I don't do well With dairy Okay. And so when I ate that cottage of cheese, I was like, is this really a good idea? Like, you're going to have a tough night, potentially. How, di- digestively. digestively. Yeah. It. Okay. But nothing happened. Interesting. Yeah, nothing happened. Huh.
0: You'd felt that way in the past. Like, I felt geez. that
2: way in the past for sure. And I with still don't dairy. drink milk. Like, I don't, I like, I have like a, ugh, yeah. I don't want milk.
0: Most people don't do well yeah. with straight milk. Yeah. But cheese. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, I don't know if like.
0: It's fermented and stuff.
2: Yeah. I don't know. But I used to not like. Want to eat cheese? And Interesting. Now I'm like I'm like a cheese fanatic.
0: Favorite cheese now?
2: Oh man, I guess it depends on the application. I say like <laughs> overall it would be sharp cheddar. Okay. Yeah, but then like you know, <laughs> depends on the application.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do I when, want to eat it with a spoon out of the tub? Yeah,
2: yeah. I still eat cottage <laughs> cheese like quite frequently. Okay. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I was a kid, my mom would give me cottage cheese on my spaghetti, which sounds Whoa. weird right now. But I've never heard of it. And I think. I think it's like some weird Euro thing, but huh. I think that um, I can see it. I think that I w- I wondered. I was like, is this because I feel like alone hmm. and like sad about my injury and like blah blah like pathetic mm-hmm. that I want cottage cheese because I like food. yeah it's like comfort cause I have an like, association with it or something. Yeah, but I don't know. It's still tasted great. Okay, I probably have some in my van. <laughs> 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 it's like classic food. All like, after the day of the crack, I'm like cracker and cottage cheese. Wow. Nice. Yeah, like every day at the at the end of the VRG days. Uh huh. Before I'd drive it to the bivy, I would dunk a cracker and some chocolate shoots. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I started doing like protein shakes and things. I still do that. But yeah, and I have no idea. I mean, I got the scan. They're like, you're doing well. I guess I'll get another scan. Okay. It's I don't. I mean, I. I when have, did you
0: get diagnosed with that?
2: Two thousand seventeen. Okay. I think it was grad school. Yeah, it was the spring of I started grad school. Because I had the UW insurance, and I was like, get an IUD! Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, one one but I didn't have insurance for the year between mm-hmm. grad school and whatever I was doing before grad school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But... I have an IUD now. I, I can't monitor in any way besides DEXA scans like once a year. Hmm. So it's kind of weird.
0: That is weird. It's kind of weird. It's weird to think that you might not have caught it. Like you might not have known at all until so it was like way I know, too late. I know, I know. It
2: is That's scary. freaky. Yeah, I, I think I, I would suggest like any female athlete. And men too. Like men are affected by it too, but yeah. it's just, it's different. I don't know. Like that's why they changed the name. Uh-huh. I don't know how it manifests in men. I think it's more of an energy, like a fatigue thing for mm-hmm. men. But anyways, I would suggest any woman who is athletic and go get a DEXA. Yeah, like I mean, talk to your doctor about it for sure. Okay. Like if you if you think at all this could be a thing, because when I saw those numbers, it was scary. I yeah. Was like cool, I have a B minus in bone health because like eighty one percent of my bone, like I had the bone density of my age. I had eighty one percent of normal. Right.
0: Eighty one percent of normal. normal
2: meaning, uh, I think I had seventy nine in my neck. Meaning, like in twenty years, if like I probably would have like break my neck if I like take a minor fall yeah you know yeah it's scary that is scary yeah huh
0: any other takeaways from that experience or or um, anything you would wish you would have known when you were first
2: you know I, I do wish i would have paid more attention to i guess i don't know that being a vegan caused this okay i have no idea yeah and i'm never gonna make that assumption but i do wish that when i became a vegan it was for very like i was like environmental reasons Mm-hmm. i was young i felt fine I don't think I, like, really monitored my health as well as I should have when I made that switch. But I can't say it's because of that. Mm -hmm. But I would definitely recommend, like, the only thing I would say is, like, go talk to, like, go get the scan done, Mm. if possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you at all think it's a problem for you. Mm -hmm. Because it was really scary. And, like, Mina's article does a good job of describing what she did. She did different stuff. Like, she stopped climbing for a long time. Right. I didn't really stop climbing at all because I felt fine. Uh, I just made sure I eat, like, way too much food. <laughs> and I, it's kind of funny, because sometimes I still do. Uh-huh. But I'm like, but I th- you know, maybe I don't have this anymore. I don't really know, because I have to get the scan to yeah. see that I'm progressing. And I want to be light as a climber. Yeah. It's a weird dynamic.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Like, sometimes That's I'll use it as an
2: excuse. This is kind of stupid. I'm like, you know, I'm going to eat this cake for my health. <laughs> <laughs>
3: There you go. Such Hell yeah. bullshit.
2: Such bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I got to drink this beer for my health. Uh-huh. I need these calories. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's for my physiological processes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: My bone health.
0: My bone health. Yeah. It sounds like you prefer to add more frequent snacks and meals and stuff versus like try to eat bigger meals.
2: Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, just
0: for easier sure. for you?
2: Yeah, it is easier for me. And, like, then I get to, like, eat more frequently, and I like eating. All right. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, yeah. I get full. And when you're full, you don't really want to eat more. <laughs> <laughs> if you're you at this constant fire, state. Keep the furnace. And, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean to say that I do this now as much as I did when I first got diagnosed. I really don't. Because uh-huh. like, once, once, like, the hormones, like, the like got my period back and my hormone levels got back, I was like, okay, I just got to, like, maintain maintain this, yeah. whatever this is, whatever, like, the thing is i don't really have like a data like okay this weight Mm. or this i don't know feeling Mm. (laughs) so it's just kind of a guessing game
0: why did you never track calories um just didn't seem necessary
2: and yeah i you know i think that when i went to a nutritionist she asked me what i ate and she might have done it Mm, okay (laughs) so maybe i did in like a indirect way okay yeah I also just don't really believe in the calorie in calorie out it
0: is so much more complicated
2: yeah I just don't think it makes sense because I think that if that were true I would be like enormous
0: <laughs> right you well know, like, your out is just so much
2: yeah how do you track so, your inf- out Yeah. it's so
0: influenced by so many things yeah, hormonal, her- yeah. hormones are such a big part yeah. of it and yeah it's, it's a really complicated equation yeah sure.
2: I feel like my body must be really inefficient
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: and
2: also the other thing with me was that like I just had a really low body fat Mm-hmm. Percentage. Like, for some reason, my body takes the extra calories and packs it on his muscle hmm. a lot of the times.
0: And puts it straight in those feet.
2: Puts it straight in the freaking calves, dude. It's so <laughs> annoying. The one thing I thought about, I was like, cool. When I got in that wheelchair, I was like, okay, uh-huh. I'm finally going to reduce my calf muscle mass. <laughs> And nothing changed, <laughs> and now I still have to carry these ankle weights up every damn rock climb I go to. Like I was you always think thinking like, it must
0: have helped on to bolt on this. I
2: don't know if that I the really s- needed these
0: the smedges. Uh, yeah, the smedges. The smedges.
2: I really doubt it. <laughs> I really doubt. Really, like, it was they're they're pretty, they're pretty muscular. Training weight. Yeah, I, I wish I could do like surgery and just like get my like, calf muscle attached to my forearm. <laughs> I would be such a crusher. I would look really weird but i think that that had to do with it that's why i had that like that had a lot to do with the red s was because like for women you want to i mean for everybody you want to be above a certain body fat threshold and i was like not at that threshold Mm. like when i got the nexus scan i was like at 14 percent, which i guess for women is that's really pretty low low. yeah and uh, yeah so i don't know what i'm at now i should like go check Mm. but that's another thing i could measure i guess but then yeah, as an athlete, you're like, cool, I don't really want to increase my right. body fat percentage here. Yeah, yeah. So it's this kind of this, this game. But, mm. yeah, mm. it's another one of my health fiascos. Mm. But overall, I feel, like, really healthy. That's the thing. Yeah, like, you look all, healthy. You're climbing well. Talked about, you've come like, through it all. <laughs> yeah. And well, that, we talked about, about all the thing, things like...
0: you, you crushed before we got into all the...
2: Right. Well, the red right <clears> thing was <throat> happening right, like, I mean, I got diagnosed and I just, like, kept climbing. And my performance didn't change. Okay. All. Yeah. I mean, because like I said, I never had that feeling of fatigue. Mm. Maybe if I had lasted longer, I would have. I don't mm.
0: know. Hmm. So, you Gotcha. Know. You also read a lot.
2: Yeah, I do. Let's How talk do not about... even know that? I found it on your blog. <laughs> I was snooping around on okay, your blog okay, today. Okay. Uh, yeah, I read a lot of books.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite or most impactful book from the last year?
2: From last year? Oh, okay. Uh, do you read
0: too much? Is that like too big <laughs> Dude, of a...
2: actually... I do read a month? lot. Um, last two months? Hold, hold on. I'm thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> the last year most impactful. I can tell you like my favorite book of the last year. Let's do it. Which is um, a book that I don't There's think no rules. many people really... So the books that I really like, like my favorite books, are books that take ordinary daily life and they make it interesting. Mm. Like I really... I guess I'm most impressed by those books. They're not necessarily the most like you know entertaining all the time, but I'm most impressed by an author who could take words that I know what all these words mean, and they string it in a sentence that I would never think to string, hmm. and then they make this beautiful moment out of like going to the store. Hmm. And one book I really like that does that is Olive Kitteridge, which is this, this classic fictional book. Say its it it's, it's name is Olive Kitteridge. It's the name of the protagonist in the All book. Olive Kidridge. Yeah, and I'll link to it. Um, I don't know if that many people like it's a. It's a Pulitzer Prize-winning book. A lot of people like I it, heard of it, but uh, it's a good book. But I like it for that reason mostly. Hmm. It's because I just think it's so. She does such a good job of describing the kind of like meaning and day-to-day things, hmm. which I think is just really. Most of my life is made up of that kind of stuff, right? right? Yeah, I'd say that's like my favorite book that I read this year but i feel like i should get my phone and look because i have like a list of do you want to <laughs> like i have like a i guess i could there's like a app that i use the okay. libby app you ever use that
0: say it again libby no so it's libby like app.
2: it's like if you have a library card you could like um get ebooks oh, okay to your phone Mm-hmm. so you can just like be anywhere as someone who travels so much cool you know that's how i
0: do you keep a like a to read list like a book list i do
2: that? have a to read list. like right now i'm reading this book called autumn light by pico ayer and uh
0: do you mostly oh yeah here we go mostly read fiction
2: yeah i do mostly read fiction lately it okay. hasn't always been that way like the reason i became well vegan well i started as a vegetarian then i just went to veganism i was also living in a, like a hippie co-op at the time but okay. I was an omnivore's dilemma you know uh-huh. michael Pollan book and the more i read about that kind of stuff the more convinced i was that i needed to that the environmental impact of animal drive products was not worth it. Now I eat many animal drive products. I think
0: it's a really complex, nuanced topic. Yeah, I've been, yeah, it is I've been really fascinated complex. by it. And the more I look into it, the less sure I am of yeah. anything.
2: Yeah, totally. And I, uh, that played a big role in my decision to not be vegan anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that book for sure is the favorite one I read this year. And the sequel.
0: <laughs> okay. Say the name one more time
2: Olive Kidridge.
0: Olive Kidridge. okay.
2: I definitely also read like kind of like crappy books sometimes in between holds. Okay. Like I hold a book. I'm like, oh gosh, I can't wait to read this book. Uh huh. And then like I have to wait for like five weeks and mm-hmm. I just go to the like always available list and I just read some like, you know, not very good book. but just it's like mindless a, fun. Just thing. like mindless fun thing. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. I really should be doing some like work. a guilty pleasure thing. Yeah. Do you have
0: any favorites in that sort of genre?
2: Um. <sighs> not really I don't even think I remember them I just kind of read them you know what was a good one that wasn't it wasn't guilty it was a good book it was a sequel to that Martian book Artemis okay yeah and then I I do read a bit of I just one of my favorites is that Merle's Door book it's about a dog Mm. that's a great book okay you know I've read the climbing books but they're not really up there on my top okay yeah I like reading about climbing but I don't know Sometimes it's good to not, like, always think about climbing, I Yeah, guess.
0: when you're when you're living in your van and doing it all the yeah, time, yeah. I, I find, even in the last, like, few months, like, my desire to stay up on climbing media yeah. and read about climbing and watch yeah, climbing has dropped like, off man. dramatically. Yeah,
2: you want a different...
0: And I also do this, so...
2: Right, that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, you talk about climbing with people like me. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Which is yeah. so fun, luckily. Yeah, I'm for like, sure,
2: for sure, but I'm only I, enjoying I know this what more you mean. More. Yeah. yeah, although I listen to all your podcasts, so apparently I still consume. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cool. What about yeah. photojournalism? You oh yeah, st- you were into that before, and we didn't even get to your PhD and all that stuff. And I don't think we have time to get to it. It's <laughs> fascinating to hear you talk about that that whole journey. But <laughs> yeah, um, a- it sounds like you want to do more writing moving forward. Mm, yeah, and you write a lot in your blog, and you yeah. started writing a little bit for one of the magazines.
2: I wrote one article for Rocket Nice. It was just kind of like a commentary about living in your van during the coronavirus. Okay. Um, and then I wrote another one that no one wanted because it was so... I wrote one about like why I kept climbing during the coronavirus. Okay. And I sent it to a few magazines. I'm like, this is really good, but we just can't put this on our website. Mm. Like, it's too controversial. I was like, okay. And then I wrote those pieces about um, the Red ass and the veganism for gnarly nutrition, mm-hmm. which I really like their stuff. Cool. Somehow I got connected with them, and yeah, yeah. I really like writing. I like wanted to be a journalist. I've always wanted to do it. Like when I was in high school and college, my parents are both journalists before they moved to America. Interesting. In different ways, my dad was actually a crossword writer. (laughs) Yeah, and my mom was a reporter. That's and so it's like there was this like I don't know, like I don't know if it's like in my blood or whatever, but like I just I've always been more drawn to words and photos than like hard science. Okay. And somehow I'm in the hard sciences right now. But anyway,s that's a whole other story. Which, if anyone like you said, not enough time for sure. So I went to school, and I like got, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna work at the school paper. At one point, I was working for the Chronicle, the San Francisco Chronicle. When I went to Spain, I worked for a paper there, like I got a photojournalism job there. But I was still pursuing a degree mm. in, I think, it was wildlife biology at that time, and conservation biology and Spanish, and basically. To be honest with you, it was a combination of, like, the reason I stopped doing it, photojournalism, if I don't even remember, was that your question? Sorry, I totally spaced out. <laughs> <laughs> if the reason is that I stopped doing it was because people, like, A, it is pretty hard to really get into now. Like, b- be a photojournalist for the newspapers. You know, it's has Got tough. it. Because of the internet, basically. Sure. Like, no one's funded anymore. You have to be, like, a jack-of-all-trades. trades mm-hmm. And so the self kind of... Um, you have to be really good at freelancing you have to mm. really hustle you have to really love it and i did and it worked out for a little bit but i was also getting really intrigued with ecology mm-hmm. and the more i climbed the more intrigued i got with ecology and mm-hmm. i just ended up going on that path okay. um and then lately i've been less psyched on that path and <laughs> <laughs> put it lightly and i started writing because i've always been a writer i always written stuff for myself and i started putting it on this blog Mm -hmm. and a lot of it's like kind of intense kind of different and I don't know if it's any good but I just like doing it like Uh for some reason like it helps me process the crap like the gunk in my head Mm. like the gunk that accumulates I just gotta scrape it out and write it Mm. and there's stuff I don't publish but most of the stuff it's important to me to actually push that button
0: that was really interesting to me you mentioned that when we were on the phone why is that?
2: you know I think I haven't thought about it too much but It's almost like an accountability like thing. Okay, here's my experience. and I write it down and it sounds dark and deep and depressing a lot of the time. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes it really does. And I feel like it like validates my feelings or something for me to actually expose it to the public. It's like a way to just not be like, I don't want to say shame, but like, yeah, kind of like, I don't want to hide it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to people about it either. I don't want to like go to like every one of my friends and talked about all my problems. But if I write it down and I publish it, it's almost like I'm addressing it with myself. And then my hmm. later self will go and read those things. And I'm having that conversation with myself.
0: Do you go back and read them?
2: Yeah, I do go back and read them. Yeah, I do. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, why did you put that out there into the huh. world? Um, uh-huh. And I leave them up though, because to me, it, it almost, I don't want to use the word cowardly, but it does seem like that. Like if I write this down, I really feel these thoughts. And no one reads my blog anyways, like nobody besides like my mom (laughs) and like Chris Weiner is randomly an avid reader of my blog. Um, Those two people are the only ones who I know for sure read my blog. Uh (laughs) And I feel like if I don't publish it, I'm just like hiding. I'm not actually addressing the thoughts. For some reason, I need to publish it. Hmm. I just, I mean, I'm not answering your question very well, but...
0: No, that's it's really interesting. There
2: are some stuff that I have published, and then I'm like, oh, God, make it private, make it private, make it private. Like, don't does it help something.
0: clarify your thinking, like knowing that totally. you're going to share it?
2: Yeah, it actually does, because some... I can You know, relate that's to a that good a point, you know, that you actually... you're. Yeah, like, sometimes I'll I, write something... I got that
0: from someone else. That's why I had a blog for so long.
2: Yeah, like, sometimes I start writing something, and I'm like, is that really true or is that really how you feel yeah and then you really edit a lot more too like you reread you like look at stuff more when you're gonna publish it Mm -hmm. and then by doing that because you have that accountability to the world or your fictional readers or your real readers Mm -hmm. aka my mom and chris weidner because you have that accountability to them you spend more time with it Mm -hmm. and it just the more time you spend with it the more you get out of it i Mm -hmm. guess the more i get out of it but yeah I would love to write more, but it's a tough field to get into. For okay. Sure. I mean, I write a lot for my work, like science writing. And that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. I just like words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like words. Cool. And I think yeah, maybe it's from my background, my parents. I don't know.
0: Do you hope to do more freelance stuff for climbing mags and stuff like that?
2: I mean, I guess so. I I think that the stuff that I like to write about isn't the stuff that really gets published in the mags, unfortunately. Mm. But I would totally like shift it for, you know... Mm-hmm. Like, we were talking about this. Like, I'm constantly kind of trying to figure out wh- how I want to make a living. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you make when you write for someone else, it's different. Like, you can't be as picky, right? And that's when I wrote that article about the coronavirus and, like, climbing during the coronavirus. Nobody really wanted it, but I wasn't willing to compromise on it either. Mm. And so I was like, I'm just going to put this on my blog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boom, bam, bing. But when I wrote about the van life during the pandemic, we made some edits, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... All opinion was taken out of it Mm -hmm. to make it not controversial. And when I wrote with Gnarly, that vegan essay that I wrote started off as something very different. Hmm. But the thing is, like, the relationship I have with that editor, I don't know what her role is at the company. Her name is Shannon. She's an excellent editor. Mm -hmm. Like, really good. And when you have a good editor, it actually, like, amplifies your piece more. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it would be cool to do freelance work, but I don't... I don't know if anyone's really interested, but yeah, it's like a, yes, I would like to write more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to write more and I would love to do it for like actual, like a living. Cool. Yeah. I don't think that's really going to happen, but it's like maybe, you never know. Could never know. Gig. Go
0: finish your PhD. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> do some more writing. Throw your PhD yeah. in the garbage yeah, as soon as okay. you get
2: it. <laughs> yeah. Not using yeah, and that. Yeah, it is pretty funny. I'm just like doing a PhD. Uh-huh. <laughs> like a doctorate, like a big, fat three letters after your name, Uh huh. but side story for yeah, sure. Yeah. If you don't Next want to talk time. about that's it, feel free to, if you're thinking about grad school, hit me up. Uh, <laughs> Especially if you're trying to climb. Did the you mountain. write about that on your blog? I have written about it on my blog, but I write about it in this very, um,
0: careful way.
2: Yeah. In this Maybe. way that's like, yeah, careful, a little bit dubious, mm. a little bit like purposefully not clear <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense just not really because I'm like afraid of something going out there but because like yeah I mean if my advisor would read some of this stuff maybe it wouldn't go over so well
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I'm pretty certain he's never gonna find it right, right. <laughs> and even if he does like he, he I have a good relationship with him I don't think anything would happen but I do write about it I wrote about my first decision to stop doing my PhD mm-hmm Um, which has changed since the, well, it's not really changed, but it's, it's on pause right now Mm because of the coronavirus and yeah, I wrote some, I wrote about it for sure. I was like, wrote about how much I hated it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's there. It's just not very clear. It's not like I got red S and this is what I did. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's more of like a personal narrative around about the emotions I had surrounding it. It's not like I'm like, this is my thesis. Uh Like I don't even talk about my thesis, you know, but yeah. So, people can refer to those lovely essays if they want to okay. learn more. Just email me. Cool. Yeah.
0: All right. What have you been most grateful for lately?
2: Well, I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah. Because you always ask that. Uh-huh. You're on <laughs> and to me. And I thought about it. And I have two things that are tied for first, but I'll just say <laughs> the first one. So, the thing I'm like. Perfect. Yeah. So, well, my health, for sure. Yeah. I mean, with all cool. this story about. I mean, my feet and my fingers and red ass and all these kind of close calls, especially in the context right now of like the pandemic and all these other social issues going on. Mm-hmm. I feel extremely grateful to be healthy. Hmm. I mean, life is just like a lot different if you're not healthy.
1: Hmm. Like
2: we can't take it for granted. Like some of the things you really like in life require health require good health
0: the vast majority of the
2: things yeah yeah and so when that's taken away from you like your like color is gone from the day you <laughs> know so i'm really grateful for that oh, that's probably number one <laughs> okay well tied with what's what's it tied my with my partner oh yeah Yeah. that's amazing yeah i mean he's just been uh great and supportive and cool we've been traveling van to van
3: his name's tom
2: <laughs> tom yeah tom my friend tom i'm very grateful for him he was really helpful with voodoo hmm. and uh he just is my, like, I don't know. He's the person, like, who deals with me before I write these blogs. <laughs> 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 you know, and he still likes me, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, so those he gets two the things. the
0: pre-first draft.
2: Yeah, The like, but that's the thing with writing. If I don't do it. My life just feels kind of messy. It's like I Mm. need to do it in a weird way. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well I might as well make this a freaking job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But so far that's not happening. I'm still doing plants.
0: Do you talk through these sorts of things or do you just is it just you like sharing your thoughts?
2: With him? Or just in general? Yeah. With him, I think I just sort of blurted out. think like I just spent so much time with them especially lately because mm-hmm. of the coronavirus again like you're kind of like okay that was like especially when we were in the middle of nowhere
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know and I was really thinking through some big stuff like I had quit the PGA at that time but then it came back to bite me because basically it wouldn't let you go wouldn't let me go that's a good way of putting it and climbing is so becoming so obviously so important to me mm. that I'm like and because I'm like kind of an anxious person maybe I don't know how i'm gonna keep doing it Hmm. like how am i gonna support myself and keep climbing
0: it seems like that's been like the big life question that's been the
2: big life question lately i'm like so sure it's what i want but i don't know how to get it Hmm. and that divide gets me really stressed and so when i it's just nice having somebody there Hmm. yeah I, i wouldn't say that like i like me and him have these intense conversation about it all the time mm-hmm. but it's just nice to have someone there mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah having someone there is is nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's he's good at that so awesome yeah cool health and partnerships
0: what's next for you in climbing sounds like you're ready to kind of pivot yeah potentially
2: yes and no like i don't think i'm ever gonna stop like mm-hmm. sport climbing i'm not just gonna like turn into like
0: a... maybe pivot's the wrong word Maybe switch it up?
2: Well, so, like, after I did Voodoo, and Uh actually during Voodoo, I was kind of like, man, I spent, like, the last eight months just, like, chasing down routes, Mm. and I loved it. Like, I I, I like, I like movement, I like different, (laughs) like, that, you know, the thing I like most about climbing is the movement, like, unique, hard movement, that's what I, like, and, like, the amount of focus that requires, it turns my, like, brain that's constantly running and the brain that needs to, like, vent on these weird blog posts... It turns it off for like 20 minutes and it's mm. such a therapy. And I think that's why I like do it or I still, that's why I'm like addicted to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But you know, I, I was also like, I have other goals with climbing. I've only done like a handful of hard trad routes. I would love to do that more. Mm-hmm. I have a big, I want to do a like a wall, like a proper wall one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I've barely bouldered.
0: <laughs> that's I'm, so funny to hear you say things like that. You know, so like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, well, you did cosmic debris, 13 yeah. B That's pretty cool. Well, you did thriller, like V10, like <laughs> right. It's also pretty cool.
2: Yeah, but in terms of my like, it's because like I were yeah. That, like yeah, it's funny. I was just having a conversation with someone about this and how like pyramid doesn't really make sense as a shape because isn't it's like a three dimensional shape. <laughs> it's more like a triangle (laughs) or a diamond Uh, but anyways it was another PhD student so we were both kind of geeking out we were like this is not right but anyways um, I would love to do those things Uh I really want to and I really want to another thing I really want to do is route development Oh cool! Yeah, all those things are things I'm thinking about, and I make goals every year, right? And I write them down. I'm very meticulous with my climbing. If I was like as meticulous with my PhD as my climbing, I would have been freaking done by now. <laughs> <laughs> like with my PhD, I'm like, oh, let's just try this, and not write anything down on my climbing. I'm like, need to write down exactly how many attempts, like blah blah blah. Wow! And, like, every oh man, goal. I
0: wish we had time to dig into that more. That's really
2: yeah. I'm I'm quite meticulous with my climbing, which is really weird because I'm not meticulous in nature interesting you know so it's the one thing that i am like yeah pretty organized about but anyways um so what's next for me i'm not really sure because those goals i have found i don't think i can achieve some of them like for example maybe not new routing and maybe not a big wall while actively doing my phd Mm -hmm. because rest days aren't really rest days sometimes you know Mm. like A PhD is really hard for reasons that aren't obvious. Like, obviously, it's hard. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. It's a huge, like, magnum opus thing. But I won't spend, like, 30 minutes talking about why it's so draining some days. But I just think I need the space to really dig into some of those projects that working as much as I am. It's not even that I'm working that many hours. It's just that the work is so kind of mentally exhausting sometimes Mm -hmm. that I'm just, like, done. Like, I'm, I'm not ready to now learn how to haul a bag or whatever like you know (laughs) what i'm saying and it fits really well with sport climbing got you and so i still have a bunch of sport climbing goals and so i imagine for the foreseeable future i will focus on those and maybe like some like moderate you know yeah i used to multi-pitch all the time somebody's like step up my multi-pitch game in preparation for something like that or some single pitch trad routes. those things are on my mind i don't know when they're gonna happen Mm -hmm. like for the summer right now i'm trying to think of a fall goal Mm. so that then i'll like use my summer to prepare for that fall goal okay and i'm like god man like everything is like kind of up in the air like, i was like mm-hmm. okay maybe i'll go to yosemite and i'll like figure out a way to take a month off mm-hmm. is yosemite gonna be open mm. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah so i don't really have a clear super clear direction right now i'm more psyched on trying to figure out that whole big life question that allows mm. me to fit those pieces in mm. so cool. Yeah, I think for the next month I'm gonna just keep there's talk of doing stuff on Liberty Bell and things like that with a few people, but nothing is sandstone. Okay. Yeah. But the the thoughts are there. All right. <laughs> and some hard sport roots that I need to like hire Mike Doyle for. <laughs> like some pretty <laughs> like I have some like sport roots, like some like some like life listers, you know. In Washington? Uh no, I don't think any of them are in Washington. Okay. No. So those are always gonna be on my horizon and mm-hmm. I feel like Sometimes I just kind of like fall into those, like like the bull, I just fell into it. Mm-hmm. So for all I know, I'll fall into one of those. Mm. So yeah, you call me interesting time, like right after like a season, right after a big project. Yeah. And I'm kind of in that weird zone where I'm like, I don't know.
0: Yeah. 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 I'd like to the change it up. The bittersweet zone, right? I'd
2: like to change it up. I would like to change it up. Okay. Like I wish, like I want to climb more index, but mm. a season there is like tricky. Right. So yeah, hopefully change it up sometime soon. Um, in the context of like answering those bigger questions. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: Where can people find you? Are you on social media?
2: I am not on the okay. Insta Twitter. Insta Twitter. All right. Um, yeah, I've kind of gone back and forth on, should I be on the Instagram or not? But I, I right now I'm not, um, and I'm not on Facebook either. Uh, you can find my blog and, mm-hmm. uh, which is just my name dot blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the, say your full name. Yasna yeah, It's yeah okay yeah um you just say hodzik it's fine Uh that's normally what i say (laughs) and then the about section i think my email is on there okay and i love chatting with people i don't know what yeah so if everyone really wants to talk to me that would be the place i don't think there's any other way to get to me flares (laughs) flares <laughs> flares yeah you know flares in the sky <laughs> okay <laughs> some nice fruit baskets <laughs> i could always use some almond butter
0: <laughs> cottage cheese
2: yeah. oh my god <laughs> start like throwing little, cottage oh, cheese in yeah the air. yeah but yeah yeah email
0: cool yeah well yeah I know this has been too interesting <laughs> really yeah it's been too interesting i don't know what i'm gonna do with it
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, I mumble a lot and I talk fast, so I don't know what <laughs> you're going to do with it either.
0: <laughs> no, I was really, I, I was so happy that you were willing to sit down yeah, and sure, it was man. so fun to talk to you on the phone the other day. And I just, I was taking notes for like an hour straight. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is fantastic. And I was just <laughs> yeah. cracking up. And, but, um, but I really Thanks. appreciate you sharing about your injuries yeah, and sure. about Red S and I think, um, I think a lot of that perspective and specific experience could be really helpful for people. So.
2: Man, I mean, I hope that would make it better for me. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Yeah, if someone gets something out of it for sure. And yeah, it was super fun. I love your podcast. It's good.
0: Thanks. Yeah, appreciate it. All right. Yeah, it was fun. This has been fun. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Hope I didn't mess it up.
1: Like we do it Cause no one can do it like we do it like we do it like we do it Cause no one can do it like go we do it like go we do it like we do it